I'm Zach, and I'm your resident Great America fanboy. I'm your I'm Burr. I'm Ben, and I'm just a guest. I'm Drew, and I am not paying two thousand dollars to ride the Fun Spot RMC. Holy shit, Drew the intern back. Hello, back on your favorite coaster sucks. It's been literally years. Yeah, um, I'm I'm surprised you guys are still podcasting. Well, like um, we refuse to die. It's pretty impressive, as much man. As we've gotten requests to. No, that's pretty impressive. The more, look, the more hate we receive, we eat it up. Yum, nom nom nom. <laughs> that's our fuel. So bring is it really on, Ace. Two thousand dollars. Bring it on, Roller is Coaster that- Museum. <laughs> So is the yeah. fun spot RMC $2,000? If you want to ride on the first train in either the front row or the back row or other uh, deluxe or premium seats, they're two grand. Wow. Uh, or you could cheap- just wait like a couple weeks and then. Or the next cycle. It's just the first train. Oh. <laughs> um, that- are there bidders? Like, is this is this active? I mean, are people... Um, I, I don't really think it's bidders. I think there are uh, like 24 seats that are like buy it now right now, I think is how that works. I could be wrong. It might be bidders and those are just the starting bids. I'm not sure. I honestly looked at it for like two minutes and giggled and um, didn't didn't really continue reading. But like, yeah, so that's something well, I guess the the real question is what vloggers will be spending two thousand plus dollars. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I I almost wonder if it'll like get filled with people pretending they did and they actually gave those all away for free and like they'll be like, "Yeah, first train." I don't know what you like, think. We we raised $15,000. It's like, "Yeah, but that train's full." Wasn't it 2000 a seat? <laughs> yeah. Or I'm pretty excited all the for money. the ride. It looks what? very it looks very RMC. Yeah, but I guess it's going to a park that I have never really needed to stop at. And now it's going to now I know it's 21 minutes out of my way off of 75 when I'm driving up. If I'm ever going up 75 like this instantly becomes road trips now are going to be are going to have to like stop here to like pop in and just ride the thing like it. It's a total like, I guess, road trip game changer. Yeah, that's Wait. true. I mean, it also looks slightly different. It's got a, I don't know, it's got more bunny hills. It's got white supports. That's cool. So, like, if you're like, when you're like going up to Atlanta, though, like, so if you're ever driving through 75, it's pretty close to the highway. So it's, it's a solid thing to stop and check out, I guess. Didn't they have um, a miler there? Yeah, so it's still that's still there. Okay, so you never stopped to ride the Miler? Okay, so I went once. It was supposed to be open. This is before FunSpot even bought the park. And I got there. The park operating hours were that it was open. I get there, and they've just closed for the day to low attendance. So I just haven't circled back yet, I guess. Poor form, sir. Poor form. That's all right. I don't, I, truthfully, I don't actually take 75 very often. 
Um, and when I do, I usually stop at Lake Winnie, which is probably like an hour and a half north of that, right on the Tennessee Georgia border. And that's a pretty sweet park too. Okay, I definitely have to go there. Do, uh, does Lake Winnie still have the uh, those flyoplane the fl- or like the the flyoplane ride? Uh, so. As far as I know, I don't think they do anymore. I think that was last time I was there, it was replaced by some other spinny flat ride, but not the plane flippy one. Okay. That's too bad. I still got their old ass old mill log flume shoot the shoots ride. I can't imagine how much it costs to insure one of those flippy plane rides. Yeah. They're not too bad about that. About what? Log flume. Oh, I've heard some shit about that log flume. Oh, yeah, like diseases and Giardia and Ebola. Jizz floating in the water. I was going to say, that's the direction I thought you were going, not Ebola. Smegma. All up in the boats. Yeah, that's what I've heard. (laughs) Stench. Oh, well, yeah. A cannonball looks all right. Yeah, it's fun. It, I mean, it rides like one of those old classic wooden roller coasters where they're fun. There's some little moments of pops and all of that kind of stuff, but they all sort of ride the same, I guess. It's pretty smooth. Um, it pretty much goes through the water park and back, which is cool because you got like water slides around it. Yeah. And they, uh, they also have the, or they used to have the a wild mouse, but it, they sold it to, uh, what is it? The uh, the Alabama Splash Adventure Park. Oh, boy. Yeah, Weird. so it went Worth. from one park to another. I've heard some shit about that park. <laughs> uh, I've been for like 45 minutes. <laughs> about all I've ever been there. Rode Rampage a couple times and left. I've heard nothing but good things about Rampage. That's for sure. Ramp- Rampage is one of the best wooden roller coasters in the world at a park that no one goes to. So did you ride it in both forms, I guess, before and after the the major retrack? Um, I wrote it in, I guess, I, I don't know. I wrote it in 2018, 2018. I wrote it. Okay. Yeah. I heard it was running well for a bit until, uh, whatever the last thing they did was, but I mean, I, it looks, yeah. I mean that in, uh, that and like boss seem to be, or like legend. I'm just glad it's still up because like eventually yeah. these, all these CCIs are going to be gone. Although the one at, uh, didn't silver comet just reopened. I can't believe it reopened. I did yeah, not that, see that one happening. Yeah. That's crazy. That's like, amazing. And, and and I'm a shit individual because I said if Indiana Beach reopened, I would go. And then I never went and it's still open. And I'm like, I really need oh to go back because I, I love Indiana Beach. It's like one of my favorite parks. I just don't live anywhere near it. And it's not easy to get to from Orlando, Florida. Right. But I keep meaning to go back because it's amazing. And now I really need to go to Niagara, too, because I want to ride that wooden coaster because it could go away. So, yeah. I mean, Kamara might open. I I don't think it's going to. I have no faith. 
I mean, I guess it's been three years now. But maybe it'll just take five years. Or ten. I'm going to defer to my choice of words again. Kimara might open. Yeah. I don't want to get anybody's hopes up, but, you know. No, but I mean, I'll be excited when it opens, but... And I'm optimistic it, it is, I guess, but I don't think it's going to. And I mean, fucking Mindbender's gone now. Boo. So Kamara yeah. is like the the last hope here in North America. I guess we'll see. Uh, they do have new trains on site, last I heard. So um, that's at least an optimistic promise. They have the ability to run the ride now. I guess they have trains. Well, that's definitely a step in the right direction. That it is. That it is. All right. Well, welcome. Welcome back to your favorite coaster sucks, Drew. It's a pleasure to have you here. Yeah, we just dove straight into podcast world. Uh, did not have the normal. How's everything going? No, we went straight in to have to talk about things. I guess that's my bad, but uh, doing well. How are you guys? Same old. I feel like nothing happened, but this, you know, it's like you're always busy, but nothing's really happening. It's kind of where I'm at. That's a very, yeah. uh, very valid statement that I, I connect with very well. <laughs> like, you know, just years pass and you're like, I haven't really accomplished much, but what I've been busy. Uh, that was, that was a little darker and a little deeper. Um, are you okay, Ben? Oh, I'm fine. I'm actually, I'm, t- I'm, I'm still great. Yeah. Isn't, isn't perpetual existentialism just human condition once you're like 30 i'm gonna be honest you used a couple sat words there that i'm not 100 percent confident what you said um so i'm gonna say there's a 62 percent chance i agree with you uh just kind of like forever feeling a bit of dread hmm well it's, it, it's almost like well when you're young right you're worried about what you might or might not be doing or if you're doing the right thing and then at a certain point, it's mainly just like maintaining whatever it is you've figured out day to day. So the stress is not so much like worrying about the future. It's more just like, oh, how do I maintain whatever this is? But it's good. I don't know. Last year's coaster count was decent. That's that's cool. That's what keeps it going, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you uh, once you get to your, I guess, maintain level, you uh, just kind of it. You fit coasters in when you can. Mm-hmm. I mean, from the sounds of it, that's where Ben's deriving a hundred percent of his joy in his life. Yeah. Well, on this podcast, of course. <laughs> this this podcast is just an excuse for Ben and I to complain. <laughs> uh, and you know what? It's. It's your uh, it's your place to do whatever you like to complain about, and you definitely uh, have an audience that likes listening to it. It's 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 impressive stuff you guys got going on here. Isn't that weird as fuck? I love our audience, but I can't say I understand them. Yeah, so you like do it for you, right? And then it becomes a thing that you do it for them because you actually have people. But like when people first start a podcast, the original reason is because they want to, and it'll be fun. Um, or because some company is like paying you a bunch of money to do this podcast. Those are like the two reasons they start and it's pretty cool when they work out 
and it worked out for everybody and uh, your fans, they love you guys. It's, it's a nice, nice thing to have a good community for yeah. sure. How's the in the uh, loop podcast been? Uh, you know, it's been good. It's good. Good. Um, we have a project in the works uh, that I, I don't want to talk about. Um, so I'm not going to say anything more, but it is amazing and it's going to bring lots of content and we're pretty excited about this and it is, uh, perfectly in the, in the loop style. So we got a, a secret project coming up that I'm pretty excited about. Ooh, someone's going to get liver damage. Yeah, but possibly, um, or, or other damage, but you know, um, uh, We'll see. <laughs> well, that sounds mysterious and exciting. <laughs> that is exactly what it is, and I don't want to. I don't want to share any details, but that's your first tease for uh, something we're working on. That's that's a okay. That's a that's a very mysterious tease. I'm sure you're hooking a lot of people in with that. So go check out the In the Loop podcast uh, with Drew and uh, Legend and Hyde and Ranger and. Kenny and I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody. Oh, probably. Um, but that's all right. There's a lot of us. Um, we all kind of get along together. We got a YouTube channel, a podcast. Uh, our last podcast was kind of like the reunion tour was not expecting both Kenny and I to make it onto the in the loop podcast. So we had four of us, um, the last episode. So that was sweet. Um, cool little reunion there. Cause normally it's group chats and whatnot and not, podcasting with all of us, or a lot of us you know we got to get kenny on this show again we had him on once and then there was an issue where my audio was like fucked so we recorded a whole episode with him but it was toast yeah so we'll have to try that again because Nice dude, and it'd be good to <laughs> yeah. actually upload an episode with him. I, I, I guess you should get him on as you got me on, and you just uh, harassed him about an opinion on Twitter. You know, it was that it worked. It did work. <laughs> what was the original opinion? Well, I it had something <laughs> to do with it. I, I feel like, and I have later since uh, adjusted my opinion on this, so I guess I, we should discuss this. But it had to do with your opinion that wood, like the wooden RMC coasters were more hybrid coasters and you couldn't consider them wood coasters. And they were all sort of the same rather than two different distinct categories of them. Um, I stand by that here. I- However many years, what, two years, three years later? Yeah, I guess they're all the same to me. Um, especially with Lightning Rod getting its its retracking and the the wooden style like completely gone away. I think they've all sort of now, in my head, years later, phased into the, they're all the same style of wooden, the same style of coaster. And I guess I think they all should probably be steel coasters. Although um, I just wrote Outlaw Run in December, and that one is very distinct. Uh, that's still wooden. Like it feels wooden. And that one's actually getting better with age. That's really cool. 
I, so that one's that's like the one I, w- I would say out of all of them, Outlaw is probably the one that I would still consider would for a while. Fucking leave it to Ben to start with a contrarian opinion, then completely flip it around. Yes. <laughs> just oh, did I say it's more of a steel coaster? Well, all contraire. Uh, that was your hot take, bud. <laughs> yeah. Hey, things change. But uh, the others, like Goliath, that's, I mean, the thing is, too, is uh, like Outlaw Run uses the wooden ledgers and Goliath and Lightning Rod, they use the steel ones. And that's a pretty big difference. And Lightning Rod's mostly steel now anyway. Yeah, I really want to ride Lightning Rod. And it's a plan to actually go to Dollywood. (laughs) Was it was it not open when you uh, when you guys went for your your adventure over there? No, it wasn't. It um, we were in Jesus line fuck. for a bit, and we test and it tested a few times, but it was one degree under the opening temperature. So uh, that sucks. I have a little theory. Somebody involved with the museum is uh, higher up at Dollywood, and they knew we were coming in. No, oh, no, I never thought of it that way. I'm fucking no. with you. I was going to say I don't think any park would ever jeopardize the guest experience <laughs> for a spite for a single podcast for a group that didn't even get a group ticket sale right yeah <laughs> i wouldn't put it past them though no <laughs> that'd be wild though i mean i mean in, in fact i mean not to dig too deep into it but they did um, an organization did put out a very special, unique mini-sode explaining the organization's financials in response to something that was said. So if they're going to well, go that not, petty. Not just that. The actual individual that I'm referencing replied to one of my tweets about the museum very impassioned and very defensive using uh, a personal uh, account. Well... That may be. I, I, I think you're tinfoil hatting on this one a little bit. I actually just said that to fuck with you guys. Although it would be funny. It would be. I want to go to the museum someday. Like genuinely would like it to open and go. I just have no idea when it will open and I can go. That's just I it. Like, I just want it to open. Like how many, like here's the thing, right? When this, it's like when you start a project, it's one thing if you're like, Hey, this is a passion project. This is based on donations. This is nonprofit. Like this might take us some time, but when you announce, it's like, Oh, we'll open it next year. Oh, we'll open it next year. Oh, well sometime later in the year, sometime after COVID, like you can only do that for so long before people are going to just be give up on it. I, uh, yeah, man, like the RMC bar looks awesome. You've got all these like coaster trains and like it, it still might be small and it's in a weird spot, but like they got land for it and they have things. And I don't, I don't know why they won't just open it up except for like, whatever, I guess private tours and stuff. Um, but I'm someday I want to go. I agree wholeheartedly with that. I, I would love to go support that place, buy a ticket, see all the stuff on display. I don't want to have to, backdoor by being a member of some organization and registering for some separate paid event pass i want to go on my time when i can 
Yeah. And I, I don't think that's unreasonable for a place that's been soliciting donations for 20 fucking years. I think that's that's valid. But I will say this. If they ever do open, I'll fucking be there. I almost wonder if there's something weird zoning issue where they're not allowed to open it to the public. And they're, they have to like work with the city or the county or whatever to get the right status to open to the public. That's my only, that's the only thing I could see them really holding back from opening. It's valid. Um, I guess if it's in an industrial place, maybe it isn't zoned for a museum status. That's possible. Because isn't it on right by like the Larson? Yeah, Larson donated land to them. Yeah. Although if it's a Larson factory, then it's zoned for commercial, which would probably be the same as a museum. But regardless of that, I think the more important thing is that's where some transparency or some that honest communication from them would really, really help. Because if they were able to come forward and say, oh, this is the issue we're having, I think people would be a lot more understanding, myself included. Yeah, I I know. It's cool. But I guess we'll find out. I guess we'll see it. But uh, hey, you know, a yeah. couple more decades, maybe we'll get it. I'm guessing any anytime soon. I th- No, I, I guess I don't want to guess. I don't want to guess because I'll be wrong. No, no. Put a guess down right now. It's March 2023. Uh, 2025. 2025 right. is my guess. All right. So we'll come back in two years time and see how poorly this is aged. Well, that's pretty much how long it takes me to recycle back onto your podcast is about two years. Good point. Good point. It's not for lack of effort on our behalf, though. It's just you like have a family and a job and yeah um but i've actually seen at least zach significantly more times than it has been since uh i have been on your podcast but the first time i was on your podcast i had never met you at all right and yeah now we've met in person i think at least two or three times yeah i was gonna say we uh we were i saw you at Deserland, and then i also saw you in iowa Did, have i seen you another time I saw you at IAPA or like an IAPA after event. Oh, oh yes. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. A couple times. Yeah. Always a good time. How it is. So I guess I'll, uh, I'll go ahead and get a plug in. And also as a, as a roundabout way of asking you, um, we're throwing a couple meetups this year, Drew. Now we don't have anything fancy like free RT, but we throw a good ass party. So we're going to have one at Great America in June, Six Flags Great America, um, the 16th through the 18th. And uh, we're also going to be up in Northern California to hit California's Great America, September 15th through the 17th. You think you'll be able to make it out for either of those? You know, um, I am starting to work on my calendar of calendar events to figure out where I'm going. I know Chicago is on like a tentative plan at some point. I don't necessarily know if it's this year or uh, another year, but we're definitely thinking of doing the like Chicago Cubs game and 
doing that in great America. So like, uh, I, plausible. Um, but I really have to look at dates and calendars. Um, but I would say plausible. I, I, I really need to get to Northern California too. Fuck. Like that's another good trip. Well, you I'll got lots of cool this, meetups going to sweeten the deal on the six flags, great America one. We're adding the night before a Cubs game. Cause they are at Wrigley. It's the Thursday night. Oh, on the yeah uh, June fifteenth, so we'll be there that night for anyone who wants to come into town early, have some beer, go to Wrigley, catch a ball game, um, and then yeah, Northern California. Now obviously, uh, California's Great America is going to be closing at some point over the next ten years, so that's kind of the what spurred us to throw a meetup up there in the first place. Yeah. Um- uh, smart idea. There's, it's really also, I would say the coaster region that a lot of people have only done once, haven't been in a while or have never done just because it's, it's in that weird spot. Meanwhile, like Ben lives on the West coast. So he probably, or lived out there. So you probably have done those. Have you ever, have you ever been? Yeah. And it was just on a work trip. So, but I've never gone, I've never done like a dedicated Northern California trip, but I work out there, so it's convenient. Are you guys hitting up Gilroy Gardens? Possibly. Looking place at looks, that. Place looks we're wacky. Definite, yeah, it looks interesting. We're definitely doing, you know, um, California's Great America, Discovery Kingdom, and Santa Cruz. So is Gilroy Gardens, is that like the one that's two or three hours from, what is it, from like the Bay Area? Yeah, it's kind of far, I think. Is it? Like, I thought it was right there. I, well, maybe it is. I honestly have no idea where Gilroy is. I know they only have like the one fucking uh, Morgan uh, mine train. It does look pretty good for a mine train, though. Yeah. Um, it And it's got a monorail that goes through like a greenhouse and like a butterfly house and stuff. And everything's oddly themed and the mascot are two adorable looking garlics. Like it's a weird place and I kind of want to check it out. So oh, it's that'll only, help you. If that'll help only, tr- get you to the meetup, then yes, we'll add it. It's basically on the, it's basically on the way to Santa. It's basically on the way to Santa Cruz. It's not, you can do all those in a day. Interesting. I was watching a video from park pros today and he was saying he was up at great America in January he bought a platinum pass there and it still worked for admission to Gilroy gardens. Oh, so he just like tried it for the hell of it. Yeah. Nice. So that, that could work out. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if like they booped it or they were just like, Oh, these work. I don't know what they are, but these work as admissions tickets. And it's like an old admissions person that never got like the updated memo. Right. They're just like, Oh, that's a plastic card. Yeah. Like, did you see everyone at Adventureland when we were there that had palace passes from like different palaces? Like they didn't know how to scan them, but they were like, yep, that's a valid admission ticket. (laughs) That park was, that park is like jank in the most awesome way. I love that park. It is, it's just wholesome, 
fun entertainment, a park that's like slight getting slightly better than it, it should be. And it's, it's, um, it's sweet. And then it has like the most ridiculously uh, drinking bars and policies. That's great. Like they get to swim up multiple swim up bars. You can take booze in the lazy river. Uh, like it's a total day drinking park. It's awesome. I really liked the casino right next door. Oh uh, yeah. You guys went to the casino. I, I did not. I went home. Yeah. You guys had a party at the campground, which I think involved a little more alcohol than I could uh, safely consume. Yeah. Got a little rowdy. It's good times. So have, are you guys doing free RT this year? Um, we don't, we've discussed it. I don't think we've gone any further than preliminary discussions, but honestly, a lot of, uh, park thinging is tough to do this far out. Um, and it's a little easier to do when the park is actually open and has staff and can talk to people about what we want to do and all of that kind of stuff. At least we've found. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I will, uh, keep an eye out because I had a great time at the event last year. And if I'm able to attend, depending on where it's at. Yeah. Um, it's always a good time. And we'll try to get Ben to fucking show up too. Yeah. Depending on where it's at, I'll, uh, I'll try to come out. I'd like to do more stuff this summer. Taking a few years off. Where do you live now? Are you still in Denver? Uh, yeah, I live in Denver. Um, nice. Are mostly, you uh, mostly full time, but I've been going to California more. Well, I'll start to be going there more often. So, are you excited for the reopening of Casa Bonita? I'm interested to see what it's like. I've after going to the original one, um, they can only really go up. The old one is pretty bad. Like, I yeah. The, the thing is, is that it's very close to the episodes. If you've seen, if you like watch South Park, it's fun to go, but. I mean, it, the thing is, is that Casa Bonita was like kind of a shithole. <laughs> like, so I'm assuming what they're going to do to it is going to be all all improved. But I'll, uh, yeah, the food is bad. Like, literally, it was the, terrible. Like, the worst terrible. Mexican food. Yeah, yeah. I remember you describing it being like soft tortillas on a plate with like craft singles. I mean, that's it's yes, no, it's like non-seasoned meat. So if you get like a chicken, uh, like a, I don't know, like a chicken enchilada, like it's, it's a plain tortilla shell with unseasoned chicken and then like a slice of Velveeta or American cheese and it's microwaved and that's pretty much it. And the chips, like, you know, how there's shitty tortilla chips out of the bag that are like ones that aren't salted, um, kind of stale, like the chips weren't even good. Their margaritas were weak as shit. Um, but they had cliff divers. And the gorilla show. The gorilla show is my favorite one, but it's a weird place. I am glad I went to it, but it was. I liked it because it was so weird and it was exactly like South Park, but it is definitely a it was a complete shithole. I also like that there's it's there's like a little queue line in the beginning. It's you yeah, wait. you like stand in line to get your food. 
Yeah. But then once you sit down, you can get all you can eat from anything off the menu. Yet your entree that you ordered had different price tiers. But I mean, if it's the blandest, grossest sounding, you said a slice of Elvita and that like made me shudder, dude. It's pretty close. Like, and uh, everything's under heat lamps and flopped on there. Made in Um, bulk. The sopapillas are good only because it has powdered sugar on it or uh, cinnamon. Like, I think they're cinnamon. I don't know. They're sugared of some some kind. Um, and then they have little tables of ho- table bottles of honey. It's the only good thing there. I mean, we've been talking about potentially doing a meetup in Denver next year, so I think Casa Bonita would definitely be on the schedule if we do. Denver's a fun little theme park trip city, especially if you rent a car and then chuck on out to like Glenwood Caverns for a day. It's a yeah. pretty, uh, it's a pretty fun little trip. Yeah. And that would be the plan. I think it would be, you know, obviously Illich and Lakeside, but also like Meow Wolf and uh, Glenwood. I'm also liking that uh, starting this year, both of our meetups that we have planned are in legal states. Hey, that it's uh, uh, a plug for you guys. It's a nice you, benefit. Meanwhile, I go to Iowa and I get pulled over for speeding on a road that didn't have a speed limit because I was supposed to know the speed limit of all of these cornfield roads was 45 or 55, whatever it was. Ooh. Bastards. Meanwhile, your states are like, come here. Buy my recreational pot. Leave with leave the state with it. We don't care. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you guys, especially those of you listening that are coming to our Six Flags Great America meetup that consume cannabis regularly. Illinois' product sucks. So if you are used to good shit, expect everything here to be mids. Is it really that bad? Yeah. Because we only have like a handful of uh, grows that are licensed. And most of the dispensaries sold their licenses to multi-state operators. So it's there's like two independent dispensaries in Chicago and a handful maybe around the whole state. So just major consolidation. They added a bunch of new licenses, though, so possibly, you know, things will be getting better. It's an interesting business to get into, right? Because, like, the government doesn't let you take credit cards and have real accounts. Like, you basically have to do every all your books in cash, which is, I guess, inconvenient? Yeah, but can also be advantageous. Yeah, um... It's interesting to see the evolution of this um, with uh, recreational sort of blooming across the United States. It's also interesting. I've, I've, every time I go somewhere that's not legal, I feel like cops also don't give a shit everywhere now. Like That's I, not true. Like, do people even get possession tickets anymore? People are still getting arrested, dude. But at a much, much lower frequency. Mm, not really. I mean, look at Texas, right? Or Kentucky. 
Tennessee. Fucking Florida. Florida does have a medical program. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I think Florida now, now Florida is pretty too. chill. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. I think those states are have become, like, within the last year or two, pretty chill, or at least much more chill than they've been. I mean, like, Wisconsin... But medical was, doesn't equate to chill, man. Because the thing is, like, here's the deal, right? We're three white dudes talking about this, and... So we're not going to be the ones that are statistically going to be arrested regardless of what state or what the legal uh, status is in, in that state. And that's exactly what the problem is. That is a valid problem. Um, source. I'm currently in college for cannabis studies degree. Oh, that's a fun, fun degree. Absolutely. It is. I'm currently yeah. in a fascinating class called cannabis and the law which has a heavy focus on restorative justice and social equality and uh yeah um, so do the textbooks you have have like a cut out it's like cut here for rolling paper (laughs) (laughs) yeah dude homework is fucking smoking it's great (laughs) seems like you're getting an a in that class yeah, man. No, it's cool. I'm looking forward to it. There's a once I get to the 200 level classes, I get to do horticulture, and they have a hemp garden at my school. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so I'm super fucking stoked to uh, go learn about tending to the plants. Yeah, that's that's pretty sweet. <clears throat> totally. But yeah, uh, to to bring it all back around. Despite the shitty weed here in Illinois, it's fine. It's just mids. But at least our meetups are in legal states this year. So, yeah. Do with that as you will. Do with that as you will. Um, So, yeah. What do you guys want to talk about today? Well, it looks like we got a couple news stories in. Obviously, first up, that Air Force One auction is fucking craziness yeah also weird didn't haven't as of recording haven't posted it on socials um as of release date i'm guessing it'll be on socials most likely this is coming out friday but um uh it came out as a pass holder email right so like they only send it to their pass holders i believe or people who are on like some sort of like promo email list because that's how i got it and but yet when you bid one thing you get is you get an annual pass for the year also and i'm like or once you win a seat and i'm like but i guess you sent this out to pass holders so are non-pass holders going to go but i got my email up here and it says fun spot America Atlanta is proud to announce the grand opening of its latest thrill ride, Airy force one. And you could be one of its first riders. Thanks to the Airy force one pilot auction benefiting the national roller coaster museum and archives. The auction allows 20 lucky bidders to be part of a roller coaster history. When they experience Airy force one together at the first park public ride on March 31st. Winners will also be special guests at the grand opening celebration at Fun Spot America Atlanta and receive an exclusive 
uh, commemorative Area Force One gifts, including complimentary 2023 Ultimate Fun Spot Season Pass. Uh, see additional important details below. Interesting. The details below are, so don't delay. Click the button below to place your bids for this historic event today. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I'm browsing to see if anything has a bid yet. Um, yeah, I'm curious if any influencers actually pay the price. Or like, what's like the nothing. over under that? Like the second public train is just vloggers. <laughs> I mean, th- that day is going to be very busy at Fun Spot Atlanta, but I, I don't imagine a lot of days are going to be busy there. Right? Like this one ride is not going to drastically shift attendance to uh, a million people a year coming to this park. No, but that would definitely be, that would be not. wild if it did. Like if that now got everyone in that greater Atlanta area to be like, yeah, we're coming to fun spot and they would all check it out and go there. This place could be, this could be beneficial for them. I guess the question in my mind is like, what's the draw when like, and my perception is to most people that are in the market are going to be like, oh, so they just built Twisted Cyclone over here. Maybe. Um, but I think the answer to that, because this is not, I mean, it's like 45 minutes to like an hour away from Six Flags. So you've got all the people over here that are like, oh, cool. We have a cool ride over here. That's not an hour and a half away. I guess. Yeah. I mean, well, that makes also- sense, but. I mean, it's also just to get people like, you know, it's just like a one day park. I've, or I, I mean, I know Six Flags is, but it's, you know, it's like an afternoon. It's not a full day commitment. Yeah. It's like it's a just, come in, ride some go-karts, ride a couple of rides, get out of there. I mean, it's really just an FEC. Yeah. I mean, they're still pulling from the same greater metro area as Six Flags, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like maybe they're not trying to position themselves as direct competition. Well, I mean, I mean every I, attraction competes with each other in some form or another, but like every every moment of entertainment. Like even theme parks are competing against Facebook, Twitter, Netflix, and like things like in your face. Um, they're competing for your, like your attention span and all of that kind of stuff. So I think fun spot always plans their market of being a couple of hours and that's why they have long hours and to, to capsulate the whole day. Like that makes sense. It's just like, I guess I'm really wondering about like, if this is really going to move the needle in a considerable way for them in terms of attendance or revenue or anything, you know? Um, well, probably revenue because it's another $10 ride. So I think you're going to get, I I think, yes, I think this will push for revenue because fun spots revenue is also, um, or yeah, they're, they're normally a paper ride place. Oh, right. Good point. Good point. So this ride will make more than an empty spot that made nothing. It's interesting. So that's potentially... 200 bucks a dispatch. Yeah. Right. I mean, you got what? 20, 24 seats on an RMC train. Yeah. Um, old me would have known the math in my head of how many people sit on 
a coaster, but I'm guessing 24 people on a dispatch. It probably will only run one train besides maybe opening day because Mindblower very rarely runs two. And I I have seen White Lightning have two trains in operation one time total in my life. That seems weird that they even own two trains. It, well, not really, because Florida, the parks are 365. So, like, you do your annuals and, like, one train's got to go down for a refurb and then you put that one back on and then you put the other one off. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. It's a, it's a very Florida thing, but all of our roller, all of our older roller coasters all have an extra train. So that way they can rotate through annuals like Kumba opened with four Mont or Kumba had four trains. So that way one could always be in the rotation for annual maintenance. But now they're getting cheaper and not doing that. That makes sense. Everybody's cutting costs. Yeah. Yo, um, Speaking of Florida, we got a voicemail from a listener. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah. About, so uh, I think we should play it. Have you listened to it yet? I started it, but I didn't listen to it all the way through. Okay, let's go. So I know it's about Florida and more specifically Tron. I think we fucked up some information about Tron, Ben. But also, since we got Drew the intern here, he can he can help clear some shit up for us. All right. Yeah, let's talk about. We. Can, I like talking about Florida. It's where I am. I'm currently looking outside and seeing Florida. Looking like Florida out there. Yeah, no gators on the ring doorbell camera yet. Um, waiting on that one day. Like I can't wait for that video. Well, you're gonna have to save that one. Make a meme of it. Oh yeah, uh, the coolest thing I have so far is. Um, a raccoon that had climbed on top of the camera. So you just saw his face like sticking out, like looking at it. And then um, a raccoon or a possum walking through the, through like the driveway. But no gator yet. Ben, Ben got one on his ring camera of his friend getting shot by a firework. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. He was like, getting high on the porch and then a firework exploded and it shot like right at him. It's pretty good. <laughs> um, and the still, the still is somewhere on our discord. So go look for that. It's a quick plug for your discord. Our Discord's great. And you should join drew. You know, I don't even have a discord. So like, I don't, I don't know what a, what a, what, what a discord is. It's like a chat room. Kind of. So is it like we have another app that we use to like group chat with people? Basically. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It's just like, you know, the different servers there are, you know, there's a bunch of different threads. So we got the, your favorite coaster sucks one and we got a whole variety of different threads to discuss. Oh, so it's kind of like a new version of like forums or like Reddit or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a blend of forums and a chat room. Oh, that's cool. So I definitely would recommend it. Uh ours is good. Ride this one still has some activity. Coaster Cuzzies. That's cool. Ours is good. Yeah. Um so anyway, I know this voicemail is from friend of the show and friend of all of ours, Danan. 
Oh, how fun. Yeah, so let's uh, let's hear what Danan has to say. Hey, Zach and Ben, it's Danan. Um, I'm a few weeks late catching up on podcasts. I've been pretty busy. Um, so I'm calling about Tron. Um, since the previews have started, I have actually written it now 17 times. Um, and, yeah, let's talk about it. Uh, for starts, I do have to correct you. The leg restraints that are on Tron are actually on every single Vacoma booster bike. And the Vampirla version also have their own version of the leg restraint. They call it a knee pin because it's supposed to go behind your knee. Uh, the Vampirla ones are much more comfortable. Uh, that being said, let's dive in. The Tron, um, yeah, it's really, really fucking uncomfortable. Um, I have really thick calves because I'm a big boy. Um, and the first preview I went to, I actually didn't fit. I had a ride in uh, the transfer access vehicle, or what you're calling the big boy seat. Um, and at the time, only two of the seven trains had them. Um, as of now, three of the seven trains have one, and Disney has ordered another one from Vacoma, so a fourth one is going to be on the track. Um, since then, I have figured out how to get myself in and what worked for me. Um, I also wore pants. My first time I was wearing cargo shorts, and they were getting bunched up, so I wasn't letting me put my knees all the way down, my feet all the way back. Um, so I can get myself in. I have some gnarly bruises on my calves from it. Um, it's really not comfortable, and it kind of hurts, but I do actually enjoy the ride. Um, the launch is really good, and the outside portion is good. And then, like, the first half of the show scene is okay, um, but then it kind of dies. It trims a lot. And I think it does it for the show effects. Um, the front row is definitely the most intense, but the show is better in the back. It's really cool to watch the bike change. It's still bizarre to me as hell that it's at Magic Kingdom. It has a 48-inch high requirement. Barely anybody fits on it, and it's deceiving. It's not, like, a fat person problem. It's a calf problem. Only calves. That's the only thing that's not letting people fit. Because uh, I wore it in a jacket. I rode it in a jacket, and I'm a big guy. Um, and I saw people twice my size have no problems because they have smaller legs. Um, and people half my size not fit at all because of their calves or leg length. So it's pretty deceiving. Um, no one is safe. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. It's a very short ride. I don't think it's actually going to be received well by the general public, partially because of the size issue and because of how short the ride is. Um, but, uh, yeah, Space Mountain is better. And I can say that because I've written Tron and immediately written Space right afterwards. And went, All right. Interesting thoughts by Danan here. Also, there's a very good chance that Danan has ridden this ride more than anyone else on the planet at this point. Sounds like it. Because it's just in... So pass holders only get to go once. And like they had their cast member previews where you, sometimes they were letting people ride once and sometimes they were letting people ride more than once. But you only as a cast member got to go once. So then to go the other times you have to like go as other people's cast member guests. So then he's probably written it more than anyone else out there. So I guess he would know. Well, I mean, we both know Dana and we all know Dana and he has a way with magic. Shall we say? It's true. And he's, but yeah, I liked anyway. it. <laughs> I had a good time. When I, I've, I've written it twice now. Um, I understand the expression night and day difference um, because Tron has a night and day difference. It is 
so much better after the sun has set than it is during the daytime because the whole canopy lights up, changes colors and it's pretty cool. Um, and the launch is fun. I, people always say it's really short, but like, I mean, it's the same length as rock and roller coaster, which I've never heard anyone complain that it was short. Um, I just think most of Tron is new and interesting and fun. So you're like taking it all in and then it's over. But I mean, it's a launch coaster. Most launch coasters are over quicker than a ride that takes you up several lift hills. Yeah, it looks like a good addition to the park. Well, see, when I say I usually use that as like a negative connotation, like, oh, it's a good addition to the park. Like, it's something I don't care about. But I think Tron's pretty sweet. I would say I would like it better than Space Mountain, probably. But I need to reevaluate that in probably like six months to a year. But I, I think it's strange, one, that it's at Magic Kingdom and two, that it opened after Guardians when Guardians is the far superior of the two attractions, right? Like, like I know Epcot needed the boost more for attendance than Magic Kingdom did, but it's just very weird that it's, I don't know, it, it, it was weird to me that Guardians is the far superior ride that they opened it first. Because they did the same thing with Mickey and Rise of Resistance. They opened Rise first and then Mickey's, which was like, a less intricate version of the same ride system that rides the resistance was. And for all purposes, Tron and guardians of the same ride system of a launch roller coaster, just different ride vehicles. So wasn't there an issue with, um, with Tron though? Like, didn't they start construction around the same time? Yeah, they did. And then Disney just got budget cheap and decided they were going to finish guardians instead of Tron and, boarded Tron up and left it abandoned for a year and a half and then finished guardians and then went back to Tron. But like in theory, they could have gone the other direction too, right? They could have been like, Oh, let's open this one first and then we'll open guardians. Cause they had to have known that guardians was going to be the better ride. Well, so those executives are making 35, 40,000 or 40 million a year. So can't really trust them on making good decisions. Did you have the issue with your calves? Uh, you know, I did not. Um, I sat, I, it, it's a weird train, right? And it also like just equally as weird as the fact that Disney doesn't touch their restraints. Like the guests lower their own lap bars and check their own restraint. Right. So you're getting in a ride vehicle. That's totally different to any ride vehicle. Most of these guests have ever experienced um, to, to break down the weirdness for you here. Each seat has its own air gate. Like not each row, because if you're on the far side of the train, you walk behind your row and board from the other side. And so like little floor panels plop down. So like you can walk across the floor, uh, walk across behind your row, your, uh, your row to get onto your bike from the other side. Um, so that's already pretty weird. And then you get in and you hop in and then you have to figure out how to close this lap bar, which is pulling forward on the handlebars. And like, you don't really know to do that. So you wait, so you're sitting there and the customer's like pull forward on the handlebars full. And then they're like, all right. And so then I sat down, did that. Um, and then pushed up and I was locked in. So I don't know how close I was to it. I just, I know I fit and I didn't notice the shin or the calf restraint. Um, I actually in both rides that I've been there did not see anyone get denied either time, but it is a weird load procedure and it's a weird grouper spot. Um, and then with the ADA line coming from like a different angle, 
Um, it, it's a weird like grouper merge part that they sort of struggle sometimes to fill the whole train. Interesting. How are they fucking it up like that? Or is it just that like the it, mechanics uh, of it are so bizarre? Well, I think it has to do with the, the like Tron seat um, in the back row, how there's only two of them. Well, now there's three of them, but that even makes it weirder because like they now have to look to see if it's showing up or not, because there's like a pattern of like when it's coming and when it's not coming. So they have to like look at unload to see if the next train is the, the ADA car. Um, and then if it is, so then they group those people because you sit with your whole group. So it's like, there's six of you. So then they put you in like the last six seats and the people who need the ADA car in the very last row. And then they group the rest of the line that way. But it's just the operation of looking to see if it was there and then grouping an ADA group who in theory is moving slower than the normal public. And then you got to really push like the public to be like, all right, you guys are going here. You're here. But they've already loaded from back to front for the ADA group and then loading from front to back um, for the day guests. You like sometimes have day guests that don't fit in the train that have that been sent there and then saying so going to hold them. It was just, it was an interesting operation that I was watching. And then when I went in and said, Hey, can I sit in the back row of a bike car? Uh, that completely stumped them and they didn't know where I should stand because they've got their line for like the people who are on the car part back row. But I bet you the car becomes the back row on all of them. So I wanted to sit in the back row with a bike before I um, didn't have the chance to anymore. And that really confused the guy and he didn't know where to stand. And he was like, hang on one second. And then eventually figured out how to put me on that seat. So there's some real growing pains then apparently. Yeah. But I mean, this is what previews are for, right? Like you are training a massive team for this because these Disney rides are open from 730 in the morning on their earliest opening, sometimes to like midnight, 1 a.m. with parties and the ride is open the entire time. So there's probably going to be 200 different team members that work Tron in a, in a week um, during its first year of operation. So they got to get them all trained on all of the positions. So that's pretty much what's going on now is you're, you're getting a team of like 200 ready to go. Wow. That's yeah. uh seems complex. I, so I have a question for you. Yeah. Have you gone to the Galactic Star Cruiser? I've driven past it. I haven't done it. What is the what does the exterior look like? Is it a commons? <laughs> like I'm not even kidding. Is that part of it? Like do they do they even try to hide it from you as you walk in or so the front of the building has like a berm and like nice little like theming. Um but the only way to get there is to be doing it or to be a cast member parking in the cast member parking lot, because it's basically built an auxiliary of the cast member parking lot. Um, so I don't have access to the road to like get to it, but from everything you can see on Disney property, it looks just like the Cedar point dorms, like the narrow emergency window staircase. That's on the out, like the staircase on the outside of the building. Um, and then just a concrete cinder block structure that has like window slits that are like emergency exits. What do I have to go on? What do I have to look up on Google maps to find this? Uh, just uh, 
Stark. I, I, or I don't think Orlando is updated enough. Okay. Um, like Hagrid's is under construction in the in our Google Maps. Yeah, it's still showing Reedy Creek. Little little bit of humor for you. All right. Um, well, I heard they were canceling dates. Yeah, well, it is really expensive and it's like really expensive, right? So Star Wars fans don't, I don't know. I mean, it's two different things here. It's really expensive. So your people who like the live role playing would probably really like it. Like your Dungeons and Dragons players probably would really like it and really think it's cool. But a lot of Star Wars fans, I feel like want to want to live the the fantasy of the job of the hut and like battling Darth Vader. Like they don't care about this new storyline that Disney made for themselves. Right. And so I don't know. It just, it, it was a, it was a weird thing. I feel like having a Disney star Wars hotel that was like all-star music where you've got like the Darth Vader rooms and you've got like the R2D2 rooms like that would make a killing. Did you see that they had like a bunch of the actors quit and they posted videos that all had like the same script? No, I did not. It was a little weird. Did they quit recently or is this recent? I want to see this with, this was within the past month and like all of them posted like this pretty much the same video to their TikTok, where like they're talking or their Insta where it's like, I quit the star cruiser because of this. I loved my role and I did this. And huh? Yeah, it was pretty interesting. That is interesting, but it was all from the perspective of, so that the, everyone that posted it was quitting. What was the yeah. reason? What was their reasoning for quitting? They didn't uh, really get into it. They were just, they were reading a Disney script. Oh, so it wasn't a, against Disney. It was just, no, it was definitely like, here's what the lawyer told me. I have to say, if I post anything about it online. Oh, gotcha. Weird. So like one of those scripts that's like, don't ask any follow-up questions. Yeah. It's odd. I think it's cool. Um, I think it's price point is wrong. I think we could definitely probably have more of style of these. Like, I think if you did one that were you at universal where it, it appeared, you spent the night in Hogwarts and then you got themed access into the wizarding world in the morning. I think that would do really well, but I think your price point is just too high. Five grand for this two day adventure seems expensive. It unnecessarily stupid expensive that it was never going to work and it clearly isn't working if we're down to it not every day and people are quitting yeah i mean here's here's a thought right it's already on disney property just spitball in here maybe theme it to a disney property that people really like haunted mansion well i i think the the price point is wrong too like who wants to pay five grand for two nights in a hotel's room right like well like i was saying these executives they make 20 to 40 million a year so they're like oh five grand sounds about right who can't afford that well but counter that though it's a year counter that though if disney leaned into the park fan sector that they already knew existed and displays that they 
have the spending patterns to help support it. Like, I think a haunted mansion, like, okay, if you offered a comparable experience, but it was like you were staying in the mansion and then included, instead of taking a voyage to Batu, you got to do the equivalent of like that cast member tour of the haunted mansion. I think lots of people would pay that price. I I think in time you would get the same burnout. I think you would get not repeatability. I, I agree there maybe in Disneyland because Disneyland is essentially a locals park. Like the Disneyland lifestyle is totally different than the Disney world lifestyle. Um, like you block out pass holders and Disneyland is a ghost town. You block out pass holders at Disney world and you don't notice because I, 30% of guests there have never been before in their life and will probably never go again. Um, and then your next percentage is families that do their like every four year trip. Um, but your annual pass holder is such a small pie in the Florida market. But I feel like there's a good chance you'd capture even a decent percentage of those once every four years crowd with something that was more specifically targeted to Disney. Yeah, especially if, like, I guess they kept rotating it. So you have, like, right. the storyline is different. Like, that's your other flaw with this. this the storyline for Batu is the same every single time. You have the same storyline. And then if you go again, you have the same storyline. Like, the only. There is a. Okay, I guess I lied. There is a singular difference you can do. You can be either like a good person or a bad person. And you select that when you go onto the ship and your day is different between if you're a good person or a bad person, but your day is the same and you see the things. It's just your interactions are different. So the best repeatability, the best case factor with repeatability is two visits then. Yeah. Two visits. And then maybe a third visit. If you feel like you didn't do a very good job of one of them. Yeesh. Yeah, I think if they announced if it was like a 12 month or even, you know, Disney, like 18 months and it was themed after different attractions because they could do it for like pirates, some yeah. of the Fantasyland rides. Um, I and, mean, I, and I think your, yeah, I think your fan base would, I think your repeatability would work. Um, if you were rotating it around or had different storylines within it, I, I think, I think the idea is there. I think it's a great idea. And I actually think you probably see universal steal this idea somehow, some way, sort of right. Like universal is making a lot of weird moves. Like they did their escape rooms at city walk. They're doing that horror nights thing. Um, their kids park in Texas. So like universal is making moves and I could see them doing this experience where you could stay at Hogwarts or you stay in minion land and have like a, a minions thing on that side. So I, I could see that definitely being a thing too, right? Hogwarts be awesome. A minion hotel. Hell yeah. Or super Nintendo. Oh yeah. Super Nintendo. Like, like, yeah, there's like, a lot and, of a lot of possibilities there. And you have these crazy detailed themes on a big plot of land that is going to be undeveloped behind the park that is just prime for expansion. So you could totally do one of these as a future expansion for Epic Universe. 
in theory, I assume. I don't know. I'm not like a super expert on Epic Universe. I'm excited for it, but I'm not like someone who's following airplane photos of it through the whole construction and stuff like that. Well, I could see the um, like a Hogwarts hotel definitely being huge. That would be awesome as a Harry Potter fan. You get the four different halls or are they called halls? Kind the of houses? Houses, yeah. 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 Yeah, and yeah. they would sort you and stuff. That would be cool. Yeah, I I don't know if I'd want I I I feel like sorting sort of needs to be optional now at this point. Like I did a Hollywood tram tour and like the the Warner Brothers studios and they like sorted everybody and I'm like cool, this random hat is going to randomly generate what I am. Meanwhile, like you've taken like online BuzzFeed quizzes and stuff and it's like I feel like I've been sorted a couple times. I don't want my stay based on that. You've been Hufflepuffed. All right, great. Your your room is now themed to Hufflepuff. And I'm like, oh, that's terrible. I wish I could pick ahead of time. Yeah, actually, that would kind of... I don't know if that would work so well. Because, like, I'm Ravenclaw, but my wife is Hufflepuff. Uh-huh. I don't want to stay in a Hufflepuff room, but that's inevitably what's going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess I agree. But what house are you? Um, so I feel like I was originally a Slytherin, but I've now as an adult, I feel like I associate more with Hufflepuffs, but you know, okay. teach his own, I guess. Ben, I guess, ben I guess I got sorted when I got sorted as 11, an 11 year old who was into this shit. I would, I was hardcore Slytherin and I guess you don't get to change your house from when you get sorted when you're 11. No, I don't think you do. No, so I guess I'm Slytherin. Damn. That's okay. You I like turned green. out good for a Slytherin. Color. See, I think Ben thinks he's in the house that's above all this shit. I find it amusing that... How many words do you think in your podcast history Ben has actually said? Like, word count, it's got to be you and some guests have probably said more words than Ben has on this podcast. I don't think that's true. Ben also speaks a lot more efficiently than I do because I'm a loquacious motherfucker. Okay. <laughs> but depends on, uh, it, de- it depends on how much I drink. Here's the thing too, is like some things you don't want me talking about in general. Like, like I feel like boxes, I always want to hear your opinion of things. The soapboxes are long drawn out and painful on some topics. As far as you the know, Harry- that brings. Go ahead, Ben. I was just going to say on the Harry Potter houses, I've actually never taken the quiz. Um, I just Googled it. And am I supposed to know what the like are the questions specific to the book? Like I've never really read. No. Okay. No, it's like, would you rather go on a hike or would you rather eat a cheeseburger? And like, it's like questions like this. Yeah, they're real basic and formulaic. I guess we'll find out. Would you rather read a book or would you rather pull a prank on someone? Yeah, because some of these, I don't, some of the questions are, are just a little, they seem like very specific to the, to the story. What, which animal do you prefer? A bird, a snake, a badger, 
or a lion. A lion. (laughs) Well, like, okay. So one of the questions is like, you've received a howler from your parents. So that would be like a letter where you're getting scowled for something. You're getting yelled at. You're getting Uh, yelled at by your parents. But see, that's pretty, that's pretty story specific. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And it's also really funny because that doesn't come up in the story very often. Yeah. That, that only happens like twice. Yeah. Maybe twice. Yeah. Twice. That's weird. Yeah, so I think what well like here's the thing too, right? If you have four different houses, the dorms are the dorms that different between the houses? Like if uh, you theoretically, yes. The only one that's really actually described is the Gryffindor one. Every other one you just kind of assume. But also it's only Harry's one. room that is really described. Like you don't end up knowing what any other characters like because there's I mean, other they, years they sneak and their into dorm the rooms are different and you don't actually know anything about any of them. Yeah. Well, just the common room, but you never go up to like the dormitory to like be well, see what true. like the dorm rooms look like or anything. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Oh, I don't know. Ben's off at Dermstrang then or something. Probably. A little bit of wizard humor for all of you. So, uh, uh, speaking of Orlando, I heard some SeaWorld news that's pretty interesting. Yeah, um, lots of interesting things going on at SeaWorld right now. Most definitely. So, first of all, Icebreaker no longer has comfort collars and has a lower height restriction. Which I, I saw the all the news about it. It actually looks like... So, who, who decided to do that? Was that a park decision? Uh, I... It was a partnership between the park and the ride based on the original issue needed to get solved in order to get the height requirement down from 48. So like something happened when it was 48. So they put it up to 54 and then, but they were like, no, we need to solve the solution to get it down to 48. And so then uh, the park and the manufacturer were working together to get down to 48. Okay. And Icebreaker makes a hell of a lot more sense in that park at a 48-inch height requirement than a 54-inch height requirement. Yeah, right. Yeah, seriously. Now, Drew, you have a little experience with SeaWorld, yeah? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Big fans. So, uh, saw this video of uh, Pipeline. I am fascinated by Pipeline. But I still don't think it's any good, right? Like it's a B and M stand up coaster. Like, like it. It. I'm not convinced it's going to be a good ride. But like, someone put this on Twitter, and I'm sorry, I don't remember who it was. But like, it's genius that SeaWorld's building a stand up coaster because most people who are riding coasters now have, like, like the general public that are seeing SeaWorld's ad have no idea that stand up coasters existed in the past. Some still exist. Yeah, right. And they're like. Oh, it's revolutionary. You're standing up. It's a surfing coaster. That's badass. And like they It's a full generation of consumers that have no idea what a standing coaster is. Yeah. And since most parks have removed theirs or done that, there's like only a handful left. I mean, so, one of them is only but 6 hours away from Orlando. Yeah, but the average Orlando guest went on vacation 
from Orlando, right? Or to Orlando. Unless they came on vacation from Atlanta, like they wouldn't know because like you're, People like you're just people come from no. all over, like Iowa and all of that kind of stuff. Right. I know what you're saying. I'm just saying there is a certain irony in the fact that there's only, I think, two of those left in the states. Oh, three. Yeah. Carowinds. Yeah. Four. You got Great Adventure, Magic Mountain, Great Adventure. Georgia, and Carowinds. But yeah. Um, and now we're getting pipeline and the seats bouncing interesting right like is it going to be where like you can always bounce and so like could you time your bounce where you get like bounced and there's airtime and like that would be really cool or like why are the seats bouncing if they are moving with the g's that's probably going to be annoying like bouncing up and down on it so well it kind of depends on how the seats lock right because if the seats lock at the lowest bounce position and then they unlock after the dispatch and you can lift off that'd be one thing but otherwise if let's say like your your bounce is in the highest position, your knees are locked, wouldn't the G force like you would just like bounce down if your knees kind of give out? Also, aren't there like shock absorbers on there? So like you're not gonna like bounce and like you're gonna like kind of like I don't know how to describe it. Kind of like gr- gracefully go into the troughs or whatever. Yeah, I think like the it lower. Might be one of those things where you just get like, you get airtime when you're standing up, and your feet I'm actually. Just, I was hoping I could floor. bounce myself. Well, I think I think that so from what I understand, the, the shock absorbers work like a screen, like a like a you know like a screen or not a screen door, like a like a storm door, like a glass door where you can open it up as fast as you want, but it, then it slowly closes, like you can't push it faster. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a door with yeah. a damper on it. It only goes one direction fast. And I think that's right. what, so I think that's what these seats fast. Right. The seats go up fast and then you slowly come down. Which makes sense because then basically all it would do is just accentuate like moments of either zero or negative G. Yeah. Which would be cool because the best part about a stand up coaster is the airtime. Like, that's why Togo's stand-ups are so much fun. It's because like you go over those bunny hills and you get that ejector air and your feet come off the floor. So. You know, I absolutely loved Canada's Wonderlands and Shockwave at King's Dominion. And I have no idea why everyone hates them because you just had crazy ejector airtime on these stand-up coasters. Yeah, and it seems like this coaster is going to offer that, which the other B&M stand-ups didn't do. The other B&M stand-ups were like, Let's take this like super intense sit down coaster where people black out and put stand up trains on it. Yeah. Or like, you know, I feel like Mantis maybe might have had a little bit of airtime on the first drop if Cedar Fair wouldn't have put a fucking trim break right there. Yeah, but your trim had to go somewhere because if not, like the rest of the ride would have been so goddamn uncomfortable. Well, the airtime, there really wasn't an airtime on the drop. It was mainly that um, that S-bend before the mid-course that had it. Okay, but what about the drop-off of the brake run? That seems like it would have had some decent airtime. Yeah, I mean, it'd be like it'd be like that one on Iron Wolf. Because I feel like that's probably the best spot on, like, um, 
Riddler. Riddler, I feel like, has more airtime than Mantis. Like, Rid- Riddler had that one hill that I was like, oh, kind of floaty, I feel like, than Mantis. But uh, none of it compared to Shockwave and whatever Canada's Wonderland's one was called. Yeah, the Canada's Wonderland was my favorite. The um, that Skyrider? Yeah, Skyrider. Yeah, that. I didn't like the Togos, but the main reason was because that fucking lap bar. Valid, but I I thought the airtime was fun. Uh, but I I love janky airtime. Like Magnum's one of my favorite coasters ever because like it has janky airtime that it's not computerized. Yeah, exactly. That's how I mean. That's how Skyrider. Skyrider had those three tiny little bunny hills before the break run, and um, that big hill. The big hill before the helix is really good too. I don't know. Yeah. So also the, the test footage of the test footage of the surf coat or um, pipeline actually looks pretty fast. Although you know, yeah. that, you know that you know like there's kind of that meme where like um, whenever someone posts test footage. And the first comment's always like, oh, it looks like it's running pretty slow. And then someone's like, well, duh, this is a test run. It'll speed up. And then, but in this case, I wonder if it's the opposite. They like launched it faster for test runs, but they're going to slow it down once it's out, once it opens. Yeah, I don't know. You know? I mean, it looks like it kind of stalls at the top of that first overbank. Like it doesn't zoom through the whole turn. It kind of creeps over the top. Yeah. Yeah. It should be cool. I'm also really excited that this opens up this pathway now all year long because it's a great shortcut in the park that is not always open. And it was super annoying when SeaWorld would close the bridge and then you have to walk all the way around the park. So now we have the Bayside pathway to, so it like gives three different access points to the back of the park now, which I think is a big win. Interesting. I heard that one of those pathways is closed off and they're doing some construction now. Uh, no, no, no. That's uh, that's a different part of the park. Oh, okay. So what's going on there? So that's uh, over by Penguin. Um, Penguin's got a bunch of walls up in between the Penguin ride and the Sea Lion Otter Stadium. They've got walls up over there. Oh, Okay. So and that's is, heavily rumored to be straddle coaster, similar to um, the outdoor one that they're opening in San Diego this year. Straddle. Oh, coaster. Right. Which if that family penguin themed coaster, uh, that'll do like bonkers numbers for SeaWorld. That'll easily be the most popular ride in that park. Is that like wave breaker? Yeah. Same kind of concept, but penguiny. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Wavebreaker was kind of fun. It is fun. Um, and like if you think of like the SeaWorld audience is families that have all sorts of ages of children, and yet their attractions are all really high height requirement roller coasters and a terrible kid section. And it's been redone, but still like their height requirement on their kids' rides is like 42, 44. Like there's rides on kids' rides that my son was already riding Disney roller coasters before he could ride some of the kids rides at SeaWorld. Oh, wow. Yeah. But so like, it's weird, but I think that's 48 inch, um, straddle coaster. 
will be a massive hit for the park pipeline i think will also do really well icebreaker i think kind of had the disadvantage of it height requirement being incorrect it's weird the general public doesn't know what to think of it the premier trains are weird um but i think down to 48 will probably improve that's ridership yeah icebreaker from the outside just when you if you weren't in a coasters and you look at it it doesn't look like a thrill coaster it's like a family coaster even yeah even if it even though it launches it's not that tall it's orange i don't know it just looks like kind of looks like big bear mountain yeah except for big bear mountain it's a, a big bear mountain would have made more sense i feel like for sea world than icebreaker did an icebreaker might have made more sense for Dollywood. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <clears throat> yeah. Because I agree, Big Bear Mountain would have probably done better at SeaWorld than Icebreaker did. Well, um, that, um, whatever, that. Is it a straddle coaster? The, the Wave Breaker ride or the Jet Ski yeah. ride? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of like big bear mountain it's like a multi-launch family coaster ish it's fun yeah i think i wish it had water effects but i thought it was fun yeah it definitely needs to have like at least some like jets on the side so you kind of feel like there's propulsion yeah even if it was just on the launch i think it would be neat right yeah Either the launch or like one of the weird turns. Like you you do one of those turns and it creates like a wave or something like that. Oh, yeah, that'd be cool. But yeah, they could have used that same exact effect that they do with the splashdown with Manta at Orlando. Yeah, that park was really cool. Um, I just came back from Fiesta, Texas a couple of weeks ago. It was my first time there in 10 years. So both park, both CX Flags and SeaWorld were not new, but like newish, I guess. And I had a good time at both of them. And I recommend that like Super Bowl weekend, February trip to San Antonio, because I didn't wait in line for either ride or e- either park. I didn't have a line the entire time. Oh, that's cool. Nice. Yeah. yeah the first uh, meetup we ever had was at Fiesta, Texas and SeaWorld. It was, it was literally about a week before the world shut down. Oh, that's wild. Um, But yeah, that's a great time of year to be there because we didn't have much in the way of crowds to contend with either. Yeah. In fact, shit, I think Texas Stingray was like one of the last coasters rode before the world shut down. Yeah. I mean, that was SeaWorld's only coaster that opened in 2020, even though they were supposed to open Iron Gwazi and Icebreaker and Pantheon Pantheon. and... Uh, and emperor. Uh, emperor and they were all ready to go yeah it just so happened that that one you know had that such an early opening date that we happened to luck out with that but yeah. yeah that is a nice park and i really look forward to them like kind of filling it in because mm-hmm. it seemed like there's a hell of a lot of dead space in that park was the uh swing ride there when you um were there Title swing, title surge, the uh, the big SNS swing right on the water. No. Okay, so that's a sweet little filler ride right across from Journey to Atlantis. They got a big giant SNS that faces you down to the water 
and all that. So that's that's a nice little filler oh, right they've got sweet. there. Yeah. That's they, awesome. uh, they're slowly filling it in. And then another dead space that I don't know if this was there, but this was a dead space when I went last time that I noticed they filled in was um, across from Steel Eel. There's now like a patio bar that is on the water with like Texas craft beer and full bar. So that was pretty sweet. Oh, nice. And it had its own merchandise. It had its own coasters and koozies. So I bought one of the, uh, the Lone Star bar, whatever it's called, SeaWorld San Antonio. And it was probably the only merchandise I saw in the entire park that said SeaWorld San Antonio. Most of SeaWorld's merchandise just says SeaWorld on it, which I, yes. interesting. I don't really like that move, but I understand from like a bulk buying move that you can put them in all three parks and I get it, but I don't really like it. As a person who collects patches for my jacket, I only have fucking one SeaWorld patch because they all just sell SeaWorld patches. You can get a variety of different animals on the patch, but the shit just says SeaWorld. Mm-hmm. My complaint with that park was the large, uh, large midways of blacktop and the weirdness of like certain rides opening at different times. Remember that? Cause it was, um, when we were there. Yeah. I mean, that's a very Bush sees thing to do. Like SeaWorld Orlando does it. Bush Tampa does it. They all have staggered openings to like, and then they wonder why guest flow is weird in the park. And I'm like, well, you open your rides in a certain order. So guests go a certain direction in your park. Like steel Eel opened first. And then like the back half opened later. Oh yeah, that's right. That's yeah. all fucking weird. Yeah. So it was like, we rode, you know, it's like we rode, I think we were a Texas stingray first and we rode the water ride, but then we had to wait almost like an hour for steel eel to open. At least when we were there. Okay. Yeah, so that's you, right. yeah, the last time I went, it was before Texas stingray and steel eel was the first ride. It was steel eel in the kids section opened first. And then like, um, the invert opened later and then even later was journey to Atlantis. But I guess that makes sense that it goes the other direction now, since that's the newer stuff on that side. Yeah. I remember we like ended up just kind of like walking through the kids area to kill time. Mm-hmm. But I love that they have the old penguin encounter, like the one that SeaWorld Orlando used to have with the moving walkway and you just get to stare at penguins and it's not cold. Yes, we did that when we were there. It was awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's the part about SeaWorld that uh, always conflicts me, but I'm like, fuck it. I already paid the ticket price and I would have paid it just for the coasters. So might as well enjoy. Yeah. Good old SeaWorld. Oh, SeaWorld. They make some good moves, but they also make some weird moves. But a uh, big fan of their operation or big fan of the park. Um, I feel like they have a lot of policies that are not quite guest friendly that I think they should address. Yeah. That park has weird. I feel like every time I have an issue with a policy, it's, it's those parks. Um, like, so like icebreaker now has the seatbelts and not the comfort collars, but they check the seatbelt first and then they recheck the lap bar. So like, it's a double check now where it's like, check the seatbelt and they go all the way down the row and check the seatbelt because the, the SeaWorld chain, if you have a seatbelt and a lap bar, you check the seatbelt first and then you lock the lap bars and then check the lap bars. Ugh. So like 
icebreaker operation is going to be significantly slower because they now are double checking when before it was a pulled on one thing you pulled like the comfort collar and that also checked the lap bar right so now you have more to check and sees has weird operations that's exactly why the fuck deja vu used to run so goddamn slow yeah because the um the poorly placed seatbelts yep it had the seatbelt across the lap and they would lock the the over the shoulder in the up position go around check everybody's seatbelt and then lower the restraints and lock them and then check the restraints yeah uh and i'm not about that life i'm all about efficiency and dispatches get these trains in and out and on with life i think the best guest service you can have to your guests is fast moving lines because if your guests are in lines, yeah. they're not spending money. If your guests are out on the midway, they might get a beer. They might get a snack. They might buy a plushie. Um, they might buy the on-ride photo for the ride. Well, the so, the algorithm in Roller Coaster Tycoon was, was perfect, right? If a guest leaves a ride happy and they're on the midway, they're more likely to buy something. Yeah. Well, I mean, when are we going to be at the point where parks are just all virtual queue? I, I don't think you can do it yet. I, I think a park needs to be ground up with virtual queue in mind, and it needs to have as many attractions as the Magic Kingdom. And I think that's the only way for it to work, right? Like, you need rides where you're waiting in line for, but you need things to do while you're not waiting in line. And there's never enough things to do that are not waiting in line. Like, that's that's the point where the theme park's aren't there yet. Right. So you so need, Epic universe. Yeah. You need, but you need other things to do. Well, Epic universe is going to be a problem too, because if people aren't waiting in line for those Mario rides, you got to buy the up, upcharge bands to play in the land. So like you made that an upcharge to play. Um, but yeah, Epic might be able to do it. I, I don't know, man. It's just, I, I think, I think it's tough to go full virtual queue, but, I wouldn't shock me if they tried it because they tried it with Volcano Bay, although Volcano Bay definitely had uh, some hiccups in the beginning. But how do you tell a guest that came to this park to ride the Mario ride? I'm sorry, our virtual queue is filled for the day. Disney does that shit all the fucking time. I know. And Universal, I don't know. I just maybe we'll see. I don't know. Um, I don't I don't think I don't think it'll work. Um. How many guests on uh, every single day are getting turned away from Guardians of the Galaxy right now? That's valid. I was thinking about Universal's operation and not Disney's operation. Um, but Disney does not give a fuck about the guest experience right now. So does Guardians does Universal? Does Guardians, Universal still does? Does Guardians not have a? Um, do they not have a standby? No, you either need a virtual queue or you need a lightning lane. And it's actually really, it's not that challenging to get a return time for guardians. Um, it is like right now during spring break, but in general, it's not. The problem is you do it at 7am. Like I don't want to get up at 7am to then find out I'm going to ride this ride six hours later. Right? Like that's the annoying part for me. That's fair. But at the same time, you know, you wake up at 7am your ride's not till six hours later. 
you can have breakfast and not have to worry about getting there and rope dropping to get to that ride. Oh, oh, I agree. And that's what I do. Right. But like, I still have to wake up at 7am. I don't, I don't understand why you can't just enter the raffle the night before. Right. And then it's like, I don't know. I think there's a better way to do it. And instead of making me get up at 7am to do it, but I, I, I think Disneyland's model is a little better in terms of like, it it'll everything is open for booking once you're in the park. Your ticket scanned, you're good to go. And that's how it used to be, right? That's used to be how rise that's how Rise of Resistance opened. Like we're on, I guess, probably version four of Virtual Queue. Um because it originally started as soon as you were in the park, you could scan for the virtual queue. And there wasn't a limit of how many virtual queues you could get. Like if you got off and it was still available, you could virtual queue again. And that's how Rise opened for the first like three days. Um, and then it went to virtual queue opened at 9 a.m. Uh, and then it went to at nine and then two or like one or something. I forget. There was like a a, a second time where it it dropped more virtual queues and now guardians uh, on like has three drops if you're a hotel guest. So it's, it's really not challenging to get a guardians boarding pass. It's just annoying, I guess, because you should be able to wait in line if you paid a ticket to go to a park. Well, the other thing too is like how fucked up is it that a general park guest needs to understand this, like, huge learning curve to getting on rides. Oh, and then like for shits and giggles, I was explaining to my dad today, like how genie plus Disney genie and lightning lane all works. And it's just wild. The concept of like a skip the line pass. Okay. Yeah. So like everyone thinks of it as you pay a certain amount of money and you can skip the lines, whether at one time or unlimited and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, no. So you pay like $25 and then you go on the app and then you book a time for, or you reservation for a ride. Uh, and then two hours later you can book another reservation and the ride you want is not necessarily guaranteed because that ride might already be sold out for the day after the first round. So you gotta be very careful. And the first ride you want to do is has to be the one that you definitely want to do. So it doesn't sell out. Or there's some strategy where you pick a ride that has less availability if you want to do it, but you don't necessarily want to do it first. And I was like, and then you got to get your individual lightning lanes. Cause there's two rides in each park that are on, not on Disney. Disney plus or genie plus, but you got to buy an individual ticket for those. And those are like 25 bucks a piece for an individual ride. Like imagine paying all this money to come in and then to skip the line to ride Tron, you got to pay another 25 bucks. Well, technically you don't have to pay for genie plus to get the individual lightning lanes. Uh huh. Yeah. If you just really cared about Tron, but you would mm -hmm. stand by for everything else. You could just buy the Tron Lightning Lane. Although, although Disney does not make that clear at all. Okay, so is Lightning Lane a la carte? Sometimes. Only, only for some two rides. rides. Okay. Two rides per park. Oh, yeah, gotcha. It's only okay. the, the most popular slash newest attractions that are individual Lightning Lanes. M- most other, well, not most other... Almost everything at Magic Kingdom is Genie Plus. And then most of the other like 
popular rides are Genie Plus. There's probably only, and someone will probably quote me on this, but there's probably only four rides on property that are not on Genie Plus or the individual <laughs> Lightning Lane. Like you got the Mexican Carousel boat progress. You got Carousel Progress. You got the Mexican <clears throat> boat ride, People Mover, Astro Orbiter, Triceratops Spins, and that might be it. Um, yeah, Stitches is closed. Monster Sync Laugh Floor, maybe. Monster Link Laugh Floor is on it. You can book a time for that. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so Genie Plus is most everything, and then the individual landing lanes is just the newest slash most popular shit. But those ones can be, what, like 20 bucks for a single ride? Yeah, I mean, we're at the point now where it's costing guests more to ride a ride one time than it is an hour for the cast member to work that ride. Like, I know that was kind of like a deep thought there, but like your cast members are making 15 and you're charging people $25 to skip the line on guardians of the galaxy. Going back to the executives, 45 million a year. Yeah. I mean, Disney is making an absolute killing off of this. Um, like 90% of guardians capacity is dedicated to individual lightning lanes at $25 a piece. They're making like over a hundred thousand dollars a day on this. You know, you bring up a good topic. I'll just say it again. Cause we were rallying about this last week. Fucking pay cast members more. Yeah. I mean, Orlando is a mess right now. Uh, jobs are, all went to 15 after the pandemic and everywhere to live in Orlando went, okay, cool. Your rent is now 20% more expensive than it was last year. And it's just gone up 20% every single year to the point where like my apartment that I was reaching to afford when I was living in SeaWorld or working for SeaWorld um, was $1,300 in five years. That apartment now is going for $2,800. Holy fuck. Yeah. So that's what's going on in Orlando. So like, I, I don't, I, I, I don't think you can, there's not a number where you can pay people enough to be able to afford to live down here. Like it is a, not a, it is a drastically terrible situation that is going on now in Orlando that a lot of your beloved attractions are going to have staffing problems real soon because no one's going to be able to afford to live here. Good God. Unless we have yes. a housing crash, which would usually hits like Phoenix, Las Vegas, and Florida. So, yeah, but is it going to hit the same places as hard since they all got hit so hard during the last one? I think it generally hits places that have the highest amount of like speculation and um, big landlords, which that was definitely what Orlando was. It's just people buying up like hundreds of houses at a time, renting them all out at top dollar. I don't know, Ben. What's the uh, what's the corporate landlord situation like in Denver? It's not that bad because it was hit harder early on. Um, the The problem here is usually housing stock. So our corporate landlord percentage is much lower than it is like in Phoenix or Vegas. Because it, it so usually the corporate landlord follows the places that build the most amount of housing, and Orlando builds a shit ton of housing. It, 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 it they keep building, and building, and building. Yeah, so it's like I now on my way to work probably past twenty different construction projects for either apartments or neighborhoods. 
Yeah. No, okay. So, and all those are owned by single companies and they're like, all right, 3,200 a month. Okay. Unpopular thought. I'm certainly not advocating for it, but it could be a potential solution. Company towns. It, that's it. I, I stress about that because your housing is tied to your employment. And I think there needs to be some way where you don't lose your housing just because you got laid off or something like that. You know what I mean? That's definitely a extremely valid concern. Plus like, even if there's, even if there's employee housing, it's like the same, the same leadership that is um, not raising your wages is also the same leadership that will gladly raise your rent once you're like in that position. So like imagine being in a position where like you already live in a company town, there's already taking all your money and you're not getting a raise and now you're just like stuck because they know you have nowhere else to go. Yeah, I said it was a not a good one. I'm just saying it's a solution because it doesn't really seem like there's many others out here. No, I think, yeah. And I think you'll also see an expansion of the Disney college program. I bet you they build another campus. Um, and it wouldn't shock me if universal also goes the route of a college program. And that would not surprise me at all. Go heavy on the international guests. Like even Dollywood has already gone like Dollywood now has internationals. And I've never, I had never seen that before until recently. And like, you just, they just all have to now. Like just imagine where you have to live in the world to think, yeah, you know, a summer in Tennessee sounds fantastic. Well, I guess when your choice is, do you want to go to a summer in Tennessee or do you want to go to, I have no idea how long I will be here in Qatar, which which one are you picking? Yeah, no, I understand. I worked with a guy at Six Flags when I was in rides who was from Montenegro. I don't think that country exists anymore. Yeah, but it's cool because then their program ends and they get to um, explore Man- America for a couple of weeks before they have to head back. So it's it's a kind of like work visa, but you also get like a little vacation out of it. But I guess the answer is you work, you go anywhere where you work somewhere where their money is worth more than your money. So you make more money going there. Yeah, that's what I remember. Yeah, but don't they have to like spend money to do these programs? I assume so, but I assume you, it it can't be super expensive. And I bet you some of it, the employer has to pay for some of this, right? Like, or else there wouldn't be a benefit to do it. Yeah. From what I understood, from what I understand, um, after talking to the internationals at Cedar point, when I worked there was that basically like the pay that you get, like the pay that Cedar point pays you is still like two to three times more than what you could get in your home country. And so even though you spend, have to like spend money on food and all that stuff, like you still come home with like a pretty decent paycheck. Um, and then, yeah, like I remember like they usually have like a two week break where I know like the Cedar point people would go to like Niagara falls and then they'd go to like New York city or Chicago and whatnot. So 
like it, it's it definitely seems like some people like it seems like people are taking advantage of and they are but at the same time like it's still better than what they're getting back home which is like fucked up in its own way but i don't know yeah i mean it's definitely fucked up because it's like well hey american exploitation is at least better than foreign exploitation (laughs) yeah but i mean even the college program is sort of exploitation like hey Come take a semester off and go work for Disney World. This will look great on a resume. We promise. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) Here, you're going to be working as a fry cook in this fry stand here in the Magic Kingdom till 2 a.m. Oh, and because of your employment status, we actually pay you $2.38 an hour. Thanks for being an intern. No, no, no. Trust us. This will get you a job. Yeah. Oh, a good paying job somewhere. Hey, can I ask a ton of people when I did my college program, why you're doing this? They would say, oh, this is going to look great on a resume. And I'm like, what fucking resume is going to give a fuck that you worked there besides another attraction in Orlando? Right. Like my, I see, I don't know though, because my wife told me she got like both of her jobs out of college because Disney came up in the interview. Oh, that's cool. Basically, like it was on her resume and the interviewer was like a Disney fan or found that interesting. So obviously indirect, but I could see how it would benefit you just from that perspective. Yeah, that's fair. Um, The only time Disney really came up and the person was super interested into it was when I interviewed at Chuck E. Cheese uh, in like off season one of my off seasons at cedar point and i had just done a disney college program like a couple of weeks earlier and they were like oh tell me about this and we were discussing the college program and stuff and it was interesting i had yeah the manager at that chuck e cheese was like if i ever get out of here the chuck e cheese at that time had an absolute amazing manager bonus program for the general manager that like the general managers could be making several million dollars if your store performed just pretty good. Yeah, that's cool. Really? I mean, yeah, it seems like Chuck E. Cheese actually has decent, uh, like it's not bad as an employee there. No, I I had a great time when I worked for Chuck E. Cheese. How many fucking pictures of Miller light and recycled pizzas do you have to sell to get to a million dollars? I, all of your money in Chuck E. Cheese is in arcades and birthday parties. That makes sense. Like that's that's where the money is, is arcade games and that like food and beverage never makes a ton of money in any attraction. It's just something that like makes some money and extends the guest time in the attraction. Right. Like even like Walt Disney World, like your money is in hotels and your admission to the parks like the reason why you offer food is so people don't go elsewhere for food so then they stop spending money there but it like is not the the money maker so like what's the most horrifying thing you saw in a ball pit oh we actually our my store didn't have a ball pit they got rid of them because they were not sanitary and so Chuck E. cheese has completely phased out ball pits oh lucky lucky you yeah so, did you ever have like a five night at Sid Freddy situation? No, not really. Um, no, but like sometimes if you forget to turn the animatronics off, but you mute them, and uh, one night a week we would do like token counts. So you would 
pull the tokens and make sure they matched the the game meters inside there and you would discard any ugly tokens or tokens that looked like or from other arcades because that was the other best kept secret of working at Chuck E. Cheese is Chuck E. Cheese tokens worked at every other arcade in town and every other arcade in town, their tokens worked at Chuck E. Cheese and other arcades had better redemption prizes than Chuck E. Cheese. So um, I'm not going to say I stole this, but I have a Nintendo Wii that I got from an arcade that was mostly bought with using Chuck E. Cheese tokens at another arcade. Nice. How many? How hey. many is that for the Wii? How many was the? What was the prize? Uh, oh, it was some um, some five hundred thousand tickets or something. Nice. Uh, so, like you, you know, those like coin pusher games, right? Where you drop coins in and it knocks coins down, and then it gives you tickets. Well, when you bring a jar of Chuck E. Cheese tokens and you can just pump in coin, 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 it's eventually just going to knock an absolute fuck ton off because you spam played it. That makes sense. And then you eventually are just going to get enough tickets to do this. Valid. How many tickets though can a machine ticket printer hold or dispenser hold? Uh, A fuck ton. Um, Especially if you use more than one set of tickets. Back when the day when tickets were not on the cards and tickets were on a handful tickets, um, a machine could hold three books and a book probably was like 10 long or 10 tickets long. And I don't know the size of my palm. So you're probably talking, I don't know, 10, uh, probably a hundred thousand tickets a machine can hold. Okay. And, and it and really sucks consider- if you drop one of those, right? So like, because then you just have an absolute fuck ton of tickets on the floor and your best bet is just to pick them up and throw them away rather than folding them to something that fits back into a machine. Yeah, I worked at an arcade for a few months. And when you consider the amount of waste that those fucking ticket rolls created, because each of those ticket rolls can only be used once each. Yeah, they get printed and they've been embossed on the sides. That's it. They're done. So like literally you just the like the ticket eater machines. You remember those that would count them up. It would just be a trash fucking can underneath inside. And like most of the tickets would make it into the trash can, but you would have some that didn't. And so then you have to sweep the thing out at the end of the night. And Yep. <laughs> Because nobody ever thought to just tape the fucking bag all the way across. Yeah. <laughs> or make the ramp have like a funnel that goes actually down into the basket. Yeah. Those things basically just free fall. Yeah. They're it's like a paper shredder into down. a trash can the size of like a, a kitchen or like a big trash can. But like it's just a paper shredder above it that like drops it down in there. Just oh, the good old days of arcades. Thousands of t- I bet you all of the plastic straws being changed to paper. That was all balanced out by one day of arcades switching to not having tickets. Yeah. <laughs> uh, guests are genuinely still confused about that in arcades where they're like, I it said I won 400 tickets, but I didn't get it. I'm like, it's on your game card. Yeah, that shit is very self-explanatory. You put money on the card. You swiped it to play the game. 
And it's interesting because like Dave and Buster's has been doing that for years, but I feel like a lot of other arcades have just more recently have shifted over to the point where it's still kind of like new to guests. Which is weird because I don't know. It seems a lot, not just, you know, ecologically friendly, but like just more efficient in general to the customer. You don't have to stand at the ticket muncher or you don't have to weigh the tickets. Um, yeah, way more efficient. So then here's, here's a question I've always had here. You've had experience running arcades. What the fuck is the deal with shitty candy? That's cheap. Specifically the, um, it's not Laffy Taffy. The, uh, high chews. High chews are good. High chews are. I love the high chews. Yeah, yeah high chews are pretty, pretty. You know solid. those? Um, I think they're called like noun laters. They were like five individually wrapped pieces of candy stuck together, and they were hard as shit. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it has to do with what your your vendor puts on your redemption thing. Cause there's redemption companies. And so you get something from like either Rhode Island novelty or BMI or redemption plus, and you'll see them like these are booths at IAPA. And typically you just order all of your redemption through one company and they like calculate your ticket values of everything based on like math. And the, so like when you get prizes from them, you'll have like your five ticket box and your 10 ticket box and like your shitty candy is just your low end stuff because you buy it in such bulk that it doesn't cost you more than like a fraction of a penny for that tootsie roll but the deal is it's sitting in this case so it's it's impossible for it to not look like the arcade bought one of those bags of trick-or-treat candy when it went on clearance Oh, that's essentially what it is. You you open your cardboard box from your redemption provider and it's like 50 of those bags that look just like what your trick-or-treat bags look like. <laughs> because if you think about it, you cut the bin open and it's like the right size to go into your little redemption bin. You cut the bag open. So like that's how it's like stored and inventoried. That makes a lot of sense. It's just like, I guess really what I'm getting to is what the fuck is in this candy that it only costs like 0.02 cents for a piece of it. Oh yeah. And then your grocery stores sell it for like five ninety nine a bag, $12 a bag during Halloween time. And you're like, that's still 98% fucking eggshells and food dye. Yep. So like, those same companies then will also send you a bag of like Casio watches and yeah, you can order high end items like your, your, your super all the way up top shelf items, like your Xboxes and stuff like that um, are not through that company that you do yourself through like Best Buy or Amazon or something like that. And you manually add that into your redemption. Um, but your, your headphones, your, your watches, your, lava lamps your traffic lights all of your wall items like even things like rock'em sock'em robots and like monopoly games and just like your anything else you you get from your redemption company like virtual reality helmets tvs yeah it's just the really hard things to get like 
your Roombas, your Xboxes, your your game systems. That's really your only like thing where you got to go out and buy that yourself. Are these the same companies that like exploit school age children to sell shit out of catalogs to adults to earn those same fucking prizes? I I, I doubt it. I bet you the prizes come from those companies, but I bet you the uh, magazine sales companies are the ones that are buying those companies from the redemption company or prizes from the redemption company. Oh yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Technically a different racket, but you're going for the same consumer base. (laughs) Yeah. Is there um, any redemption company horror stories of getting like inappropriate gifts or anything like that? No, but every great once in a while, a company will send the wrong attraction stuff to you. Like in a shipment, like you'll, you'll get a shipment of a hundred cases of souvenir bottles. And one of the cases is supposed to go to Kennywood. That happens fairly frequently. Like not like super frequently, but like often enough that I'm aware that it happens. And then you're like, what the fuck do I do with this? And usually the answer is just throw it away. Makes sense. You're like, what am I going to do with fucking 700 Bigfoot on the strip t-shirts? Yeah. But like, it wouldn't be cost effective to then ship it back to the company to then ship it to them because everything's sent by freight. So like having a case, a single case, it's not cost effective to do anything with it. So it's just like a write off for the company and you, you get a credit. I mean, you could, you could keep them for the, in the loop prize closet. Yeah. I mean, I have, um, so Ben, you worked at Cedar point. And so do you remember the Cedar point tent sale once a year where there was just random, it's like a, basically a Cedar point flea market. Uh, yeah, I think so. So my, I think it was my second year I went in and they had these, uh, Cedar point bags and you could fill the bag for $50 with whatever you wanted. Um, and I went ham and found some ridiculous stuff in, including like a, uh, an amusement park in Denver or in Denmark, um, their souvenir cup, a six flags, great America hourglass, um, a old school Canada's wonderland paperweight and just random things at a Cedar point sale, uh, uh, two cups from Tokyo, Disney sea, um, a Dorney park snow globe, just random ridiculous things. I found at this flea market Cedar points, like, flea market one year nice yeah we're um i think they used to whenever where did they where did they hold that was that on property it was like behind the games pavilion like where that one time clark was okay if you came in through the front of the park um but i assume most of the time you didn't park up front you parked in the back of the park yeah except for some days they wouldn't let us they would like uh they started cracking down on it on weekends, which is always yeah, a shit show. You know that time clock? Yeah. Like, uh, that time clock right by like the games pavilion. That was where uh, it was held. Yeah. Actually, the second season, there was some big uh, drama within uh, like with our manager because I had a platinum pass. And so it was one of those things where I had the sticker for commons, but I also had the platinum pass. So it was like, 
I'm a guest. Like, why are you refusing me to park back here? Because I'm a paying guest. But then it was like, but you have the sticker, you're an employee. And so it was this like weird gray area that uh, caused some problems. Yes, I can see that. Because like a parking isn't going to know that you're a guest when they're looking or the security force is not going to know that you're a guest. Right. Yeah. Cool. Cedar point. I lived in commons for a month and then I moved into an apartment and never looked back. See, I, I don't know. Commons was awful, but I kind of liked it for what it was. Um, but it, I mean, if you have shitty roommates, that'll, that'll change. I liked my roommates. I just, for the same price, we put six of us in a two bedroom apartment right next to subway and we had our own private bathroom in our own kitchen. I mean, that is a pretty major upgrade. Yeah. Same amount of people per room, but a bathroom and a kitchen and a living room. Yeah, that's nice. And I we all just slept on air mattresses. <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess is more comfortable than the, uh, the jail um, bunk bed mats. It was you got nice air mattress from Meyer. It was perfect. Luxury. Yeah. Well, and I mean, this is kind of like, I, I hate to sound like that old man that says in my youth, this is what we did. But like, that was just a reasonable accommodation in my head and my roommates head to how to combat one, the housing and two, the low wages of working in a theme park. Um, and like nowadays, like that would be considered like inhumane to have six people in a two bedroom apartment. Like they'd be like, no, like that's everyone should have their own room and stuff like that. And that was kind of how, like I made it in Florida in the beginning too. Um, because Florida has always been expensive, but it wasn't like stupid expensive, but like we've never been paying our attractions team members a, a wage that matched the Orlando housing. So everyone always had roommates and like, in the beginning you shared actual like rooms with people in apartments. And then as people slowly got promoted, then you ended up like people moved out and you got new places and you then eventually had your own room. But like weirdly enough through like relationships and roommate scenarios and all that kind of stuff, I've never lived alone in Orlando, like had my own place to myself, which I just think is interesting. It's really more of a, yeah i guess we were never paid well but i also think it was interesting that i've just always lived with someone my entire life because i lived with my family then i went to college and lived with my roommates and then i've just always lived with someone yeah and that kind of goes back to that um that um or zach where the quote we were talking about yesterday yesterday or last week about the apartment full-time where it's like there are certain full-time jobs where you should afford housing. But like, I guess if you're in the college program or you're, I don't know, 18 to 22, like you can live with a few roommates. That's just kind of what you have to do. I'm not necessarily, it's what you should have to do, but it is what you do. Yeah. But me at 18 would have, absolutely ruined a place if i was living by myself it would have been gross and dirty and i would have done laundry like once a month and like i would have had nobody to check up and been like hey you're a slob i just kind of would have lived my 18 year old 
to 22 year old self where I would be like hungover and stuff like that. Like, yeah, it was probably a terrible idea if I lived by myself. Look, I'm not saying it's not a necessity. I'm just disagreeing fundamentally with you should have to. Yeah, you shouldn't have to have roommates. That should be a choice. It can be even like a money saving choice, but you should be able to have some sort of affordable housing. Right. That's exactly what I'm saying is if you're working full time, you should not have to have a roommate. Yeah. And especially you should not have to have more than one. So now how do we solve the, not to derail this at almost midnight Orlando time, but um, how do you solve this problem of wages go up and then suddenly landlords are now being assholes and knowing their people make more because you have to report how much you make. And then they're like, Oh, well we can charge this much for these apartments now. Cause that's how much these people are making. Right? Like how do we solve that um, problem? Okay. So my solution is two pronged, but it can't work because of the current government. But let's put that aside. Right. Uh-huh. Here's my idea. Governments can change. They can right. be overthrown at any time. That's what tyranny is for. (laughs) So um, I think a combination of things. One, introduce the old New York idea of rent control. Two, I think aggressive policy to ensure minimum wage is actually a livable wage. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like the yeah the the only problem is rent control like as after like a bunch of like endless studies with it they actually found that rent control makes rent worse. So the really the solution is you have to like I although so it's like a weird problem because it's it's so region specific like really the only way you lower rent is if you completely flood a market with new housing. So you have to like build so much housing that there's so much competition for rentals that property owners have to become competitive with attracting tenants. But the downside is in a place like Orlando, if you build a shit ton of housing and rent goes down, you're just going to become more attractive for people to move in from out of state. Like you're just, you'll just have more people move in, right? Like the more you build, the more people. I mean, Orlando's population is insanely high now compared to it was when I moved here in 2010 right like you used to have i4 traffic when there was rush hour and that was the only traffic you really had and now i sit in traffic all day every day no matter where i want to go in orlando none of our roads are highways so they were all orange groves that are just the infrastructure isn't there and we just sit in traffic orlando was never supposed to be as full as it is right now okay alternative idea then Raise the threshold for Section 8 housing. Yeah, and I guess incentivize places to accept Section 8 folks. Because that's that's your other problem is people get it, and then places are like, no, we're not taking those. Well, so there's this there's this new concept. Um, it's called like, basically, it's, it's like market housing. So what it is, it's where, um, or it's like a co-op. So what it is, it's like a collection of, um, I guess, not not necessarily donors, but it's like a, I guess it's, yeah, it's a cooperative of like small business people who buy a plot of land at market. 
they build a unit at market and then they rent the units out for like exactly what the market rate would be to break even. So it's not owned by like, you know, like a giant property management company or like a corporate landlord. Um, But it requires the city to basically buy the land at market rate um, and not sell it out to investors. So like, and that's what Vancouver is doing right now. And it's kind of an interesting concept because it basically like of over time, it's um, it reduces that incentive for corporate landlords because eventually you have so much at market housing that there's no way to make a profit off housing. So that's really the only way you can do it is like um, you have to take that profit element out of housing. Yep. And I guess that's the problem because we in America, we need to make a profit on everything like even our recycling programs don't make a profit. So not all recycling actually gets recycled. And to compound that issue, it's not just America, it's Florida. You know, I'm not aware of what goes on in the rest of the world because I know what happens in, uh, in my central Florida bubble where we had crazy weather today. Just going to throw that out there. It was like hurricane force winds and torrential downpours. Like it was pretty crazy. Like, so what, what's fu- wild weather today? What's funny is, um, so like people view, I don't know. It's like people in Denver think that it's just like, you know, outdoor utopia and it's progressive and all that stuff. But we have the second worst recycling rate in the country <laughs> because like we have recycling bins, but it all goes to the same place. Yeah. Well, only like the nice end plastics are even like valuable to recycle like most plastic is it costs more to recycle it and to and it reuses in a lesser quality like it's a plastic problem that really is the problem but this is now super environmental and not theme parky and i don't know how to transfer from here to our other orlando story but yeah that's okay i got one for you guys since we're on recycling here in chicago our program is so shit Every building has their own recycling dumpster, right? But if you fuck up and put the wrong thing in the recycling dumpster, which, you know, buildings with 50 units, that happens all the time, the garbage people will fucking refuse to pick it up until the building owner pays them. So we'll have full-ass dumpsters of recycling for weeks. And then ultimately all of it just goes to the trash anyway. Yeah. Because the wrong shit's in there. Yeah, it's not good. Yay. Also not good. Uh, Orlando Freefall Tower, but it's going away now. Thank God. It can't hurt anyone anymore. Yeah. Yeah, but the owner is still alive. Wow. I'm just glad that it's not going to be there because, I mean, I already think like abandoned rides are not good. And to have an abandoned ride like on your iconic strip, I I guess or I drive isn't super iconic, but like you can see it from everywhere. And now it's going away, which is good because it killed someone and that's bad. And it killed someone in a way that a theme park or an attraction should never kill someone. And... We're tearing it down and that's good. That's much better than having it just stand there and been like, yep, we fucked up. We're terrible people and we're just going to abandon this here. 
has the. So what's what? What do you think? Is it going to Colombia or Brazil or? Well, my theory was it was going to go down the street uh, to another attraction on I Drive, but then our governor said that it was not going to be erected in the state of Florida ever again. Um, which he says a lot of things. So I don't necessarily know if that was true or not. Yeah. Palm beach city said, hold my beer, but I guess we'll see. Like the villages really want their new drop tower. (laughs) The villages. (laughs) I can't believe that joke hit. You guys knew what I was talking about. (laughs) I watched a documentary about that shit like a month ago. So weird. It is a weird place. Florida has a lot of weird places. Yeah, I think Florida is is just a collection of odd communities. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much all it is. Yeah, Orlando is just one of those odd communities. Sorry, everyone that's down there. Oh man, that's exactly what it is. We have an entire community based on theme parks. Like the entire yeah. economics of this city are theme parks, right? Like people either work in the hotels or the restaurants or the attractions or the convention center to cater for the tourists that are here. Is the owner of icon park, is his house still standing? Well, so icon park is like a mall, right? And the slingshot drop tower was a tenant that rented a plot of land, like a TGA Fridays would rent a plot of land or something like that. And so they built it there. So like icon park is like, owned by a company that owns malls. Like they're really unrelated to this whole thing, but the slingshot drop tower is owned by the same people that own other slingshot and drop towers around the state of Florida. Like they have one in Pan, they have a slingshot in Panama city. They own the star flyer. That's just outside of icon park. Um, they own the two slingshots in Kissimmee, Florida, the one in Daytona. So, they own those attractions and they rented a spot at, or they leased land in icon park. Um, I have no idea if his house is still standing though. I made a joke about burning Disney execs houses last week. So no, nope, nope, nope. Not doing it. (laughs) Can we get arrested for incinerating a riot? Yeah. I'm not going out like Fred Durst. God damn it. Uh, that's, a, that's a Woodstock 99. That was a Woodstock joke. <laughs> oh, man. I was so into Limp Bizkit at that time of my life, too. Me, too. Me, too. Oh, man. I definitely had the CD of, like, the best of hits from, like, Woodstock. It's still amazing to me that the Insane Clown Posse played that shit. Did they? They did. Oh, wow. And they got paid a fuck ton of money to do it, man. Oh, shit. I had no idea. Well, I mean, it makes sense. They're, that genre was sort of new. And so there's only so many that are in that like crazy, weird, alternative rock, insane stuff kind of thing. Well, not to mention that entire festival was just like angry white people music. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like corn, limp biscuit, rage against the machine, Metallica, insane clown posse, Megadeth, Kid Rock. Like, yeah, just pissed off white folks. Yeah. The aggro vibes are dripping. (laughs) Filled with a bunch of people who have a bunch of money, but couldn't buy things because 
they required you to turn cash into weird festival tokens that had long ass lines. Well, also, also the fact that they were like, oh, looks like people want water. Did we say four bucks? We meant eight bucks. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, shit, eight bucks for a water? Well, beer is only six bucks, so I guess I'll get beer. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we're getting close to that at theme parks. I mean... I wouldn't think it's a stretch to say that Woodstock 99 is like a, like a blueprint for well, I think shitty what, businesses yeah, but the thing about that Wood, have captive audiences. But the good thing about Woodstock, though, is that I think now music festivals, a standard is, is to have water refill stations where you bring in like a container and then they have refill stations everywhere. So that's good. I mean, I think that's pretty bare minimum necessity. And I I think maybe besides the fire festival, we also figured out a way to like not have people be sleeping in feces. Well, the big problem with music festivals now isn't the fact that they figured out the technology or like we need water stations. The problem is the people still, you know, Cause you even, you take into account the fact that the water stations are fixed and you know, whatever else. And you still get fucking Astro world. Yeah. Or so not- my faith in humanity, I think is more. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the problem is people are shitheads now and like yeah. it's worse and worse and worse. Like I, right. It, Cause at least Woodstock 99, they had the excuse of fucking $8 water and not having Twitter. Now- yeah. Well, isn't there, um, there's like a a concept of crowd control where they have, um, where they basically have like gates, almost like, like barrier, or I guess like barriers to prevent a certain amount of people from being able to like compress together. That's like a thing, right? And they they even, no, for big venues. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's like, um, they, they like, they like gate off like three tiers of the general admission, so that way you can't just like run forward. Yeah. And like this section's full, you need to move to that section or like you, you have no to more, go, no one else can come into this. And one. if you want to get closer, you have to like go to the outside of the gates. Like you have to go to the outside, like the perimeter and then walk back to the center. You can't just like, it's not just like one giant general admission area. And I think that was the problem with uh, Astro World. It's like, they didn't have the proper like core. I don't know. Whatever you call it. Like, gates like protection like gate barriers i mean i think the problem is no matter what you do people are just fucking stupid people only care about themselves and anyone who says that they don't is at some point in their life a liar yeah because even i like i feel like i'm very selfless most of the time but still make selfish decisions like we were at fiesta texas and my kid was having a really good time in the kid section and I saw wonder woman was sending empty seats. And so I ducked away for like 45 minutes and just rode the ride seven times and then came back. I was like, you guys have fun. I'll be back. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Going back to water though. My like bad, bad dad alert. (laughs) Going back to water though. I absolutely hate how, parks will turn off their water fountains 
but then it's like they refuse they don't allow you to bring in water then they turn off their water fountains and then they only sell Dasani which isn't really water it's salt water that's so you buy more Dasani yeah that we went a very long time uh as a country with water fountains or for some reason every other water fountain turned off for covid yeah and places are still using it as an excuse i think yeah i feel like now i mean i I was talking about this with my father today which random topics but he was saying that there are certain companies that just have not come out of covid and are still using it as an excuse and their operations are not nearly as good as they used to be and he thinks we're going to get to a point where the public's like, fuck it. I'm not using that anymore. It doesn't work. Like the example he was giving was Southwest airlines. Like they had their giant meltdown at Christmas. Like they're still not great. They're canceling flights and all of this kind of stuff. Like they've got pilots going on strike and it's just, they have not recovered from COVID problems and it's not good. Yeah. Oh, really uh, relevant. Very, very brief. I saw that Frontier Airlines is having a they're they're selling an unlimited flight pass for summer for three ninety nine. So yeah, it's an interesting idea. If you don't care, I don't about, know if it'll work for me. If you don't care about getting it to your destination on time or the same day or week, it's perfect. Yeah, or otherwise, you don't actually care what your destination is. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like you head to MCO and you're like, all right, I am going to go to Wichita, Kansas today because that has a flight that I can get a seat on. And you're like, eh, I'm going to go back home. Well, I've never been to Kansas. It's one of 11 states I haven't been to. So it's on my list. I'll tell you what, Kansas. I've been there. I've been to Kansas City, Kansas to ride the fucking kitty coaster at the mall. But Kansas, you want my attention? You want me to come back? Fucking legalize. Then we'll talk. Or, I don't know, build some crazy water slide that might kill a kid. Either way, Again. then I'll then I'll think about it. <laughs> um, you know, Kansas is pretty close to Missouri, and the City Museum is adding a new ride to their roof. Yeah, I saw that. The uh I need to fucking check the roof out i went during winter and it wasn't open i need to go back and when it's open because what do they have up there they got a ferris wheel and what else there's like a school bus you can climb in that protrudes out over the building that's right so the um i've never been it sounds like a wild place but i haven't really been to st louis besides i went as a kid and then i went in passing on my way to do to silver dollar city so, like, next time you're going to go to Six Flags St. Louis, just stop in St. Louis and d- just don't go to I the city love Six Flags St. Louis. It's one of my favorite Six Flags parks. It is. It's charming. I've always enjoyed going it's there. Pretty, it's pretty nice, other than the fucking confusing-ass layout. But, yeah, but that's kind of why I like its layout, because it's built like a, a charming old park, and, like doesn't feel like a six flags to me and it's got like great wooden roller coasters and do they it's hilly it's got trees like a big fan i they um do you know do they still have their enterprise uh being that six flags closed a bunch of rides i doubt it i don't know for sure though i couldn't tell you because i think that was um one of the only 
like as far as the Schwarzkopf Enterprises, I know Great America had one, and then St. Louis had one. I don't know where the where that other other one was. Oh, Georgia over Georgia. It's at Fun Spot America now. Oh shit, that's right. It's in Orlando, and it's still got Six Flags Over Georgia plates inside of it with their ride restriction warnings on it. Hey, not going to lie, if I'm not mistaken, based off of some video I saw earlier today, California's Great America still has their original Enterprise. Is it a Schwarzkopf? Yep. Nice. If it's still the same original, which I believe it is because it's in the original Orleans Place location there. Okay. Nice. Dude, Um, those ones are the best ones because they had, for some reason, like the swinging on them was like so much more like the swinging was so much more free swinging. Um, so we used to do this thing where if you sat, like you scooted forward as far as possible. And then you like grab onto the front bar and lean forward. You swing like way crazier. I don't know. There's something about it. (laughs) I had a friend who was a mechanic at great America and, uh, for a long time, there was this picture he had out of his profile pic of him standing underneath the main bar on there. Like that raises up the whole arm. Like while it was running. Yeah. Like it's up in the up position. And he's just like standing under it. Oh shit. Nice. <laughs> uh, good old days before lockout tag out. Well, he was a mechanic, so I don't know if all of that would still apply. Also, I heard it's a valid point. I heard those Schwarzkopf ones. If you hit the e stop, the 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 arm just free falls down and it slams into the ground. I think that's correct. Well, your your well, hoose ones just stop in the position they're at, and then the person in the cage goes flying into the cage. Ooh, that seems a lot worse. For those of you playing at home, flat rides, you generally don't e-stop. You cycle stop them and bring them back to the home position. And e-stop's like an absolute out of case or uh, out of this world crazy emergency where you're like parts are flying off or something and you think the answer is to stop all ride motion. But like like your pendulum rides, you e-stop those and then they just cut power and free spin until gravity finally brings them into the, uh, into the, into the station. So like it's like a half an hour of just like... With no power. So never e-stop a ride, uh, never flat ride, uh, cycle stop it unless it's like an absolute emergency. So we had um, that was on skyscrapers too. You're not supposed to e-stop them because if you do, it'll like, it can cause concussions and like neck sprains and stuff, uh, sprain knees. Because the, uh, the break is so, like the break is so intense that it's not a smooth break. It's like, it's jerky. So what happens is uh, because the pen, like the arms are so long, it has that kind of uh, snappy slingshot effect. Um, I'm only saying this because I accidentally did it once, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and it almost. And how did that turn out? It was with employees, so it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> oh, that is a 100% truth statement. Like I did it, I did it as a joke. So the thing is like, obviously when you run the ride in the morning, you do all the different tests. You do like e-stop tests, ride stop, all that stuff. But like, I wanted to see what it would do when it was full of people. So suddenly (laughs) I I, I like hit the e-stop 
And then I just see the two people that were on it as they come, you know, they're swinging down to the low position and their heads were just like slamming onto the back of the seat. And their legs were like <laughs> flying straight up. <laughs> oh, that ride was so fun. Mm-hmm. And then sure enough, like a week later, we had to take the ride down for a few weeks because it had uh, some structural issues. Because what was really cool, they actually filled the entire structure up with uh, compressed air. And there's a little PSI reader that's on the end of each gondola. So it should be, it was between like 15 and 20 PSI. So if the PSI ever dropped, you know, you had some kind of like structural issue or like, you know, fracture or whatever. So. So you broke it. Yeah. Good, good job. <laughs> It was also all right. Uh, twice the, it also was twice the, um, or what would you call it? Double. It was double past the operating hour life cycle. So the solution was they just dis- they like broke the the like cycle counter on the panel, so it was like stuck at a certain number, and it was like double past its lifetime. So it was still a fun ride. Mm-hmm. Especially if you like hooked your leg. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. And that just prevented it from rotating. Yeah, so you would wrap your legs around. So it would. So if you're at the top, you're right side up. But when you come to the platform, you're upside down. So you're pulling like negative three G's. I still feel like I have a weird eye issue, like where my eye feels like it's bulging out, like migraines because of that. <laughs> But it was really fun. It was really fun, yeah. <laughs> See, this is what's weird is like Ben and I haven't technically met, but I'm sure we've interacted because um I had friends on the skyscream or skyscraper ripcord team, and so I would ride them fairly frequently. Yeah, what years did you work there? Uh nine, ten, eleven, and thirteen. And I pretty much wrote it all the time in 2010 okay yeah that's that's when i was there that's so funny yeah like the uh the ripcord skyscraper team would be at my apartment a lot having parties so if you were ever at an off-site apartment party that was at my apartment in um i don't think i ever went to anything off-site unless you guys ever went to crowbar no never went to crowbar um no but heard good things. There's also um, Sean Flaherty's going to upload some video where you guys are talking to each other. <laughs> Probably. It'll just be in the background and be like, holy shit, there's Drew and Ben. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what? So here's the other thing, too, is like, I think you're right, like, because I remember like I remember a Drew. Like it's the name is in my my memory, right? Like, like a lot yeah, of, and like some members of your crew would hang out with Magnum. Yeah, yeah. And I was always hanging out with the Magnum team. Yeah, early early 2010, um, we became friends with some of the Magnum crew because we would always call them on the phone and like prank call them. So back then, like the big joke was like, you call and be like, yeah, is Ida there? Eat a dick, you know, hang up. 
whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'd have what like we were friends with them, so they whenever they would do like the you know, like wrote car like four and five chain off when the park was slow, like they would just let us sit in the empty seats and re ride a bunch of times. It was awesome. In exchange I was for, definitely a car five rider a lot too. Yeah. And then we would just fly them every once in a while. That's how I would ride a lot was I would just go with the Magnum people and get to uh skyscreamer. Cause I worked, th- I worked shoot the rapids. So my first month and a half, I was just bouncing between odd jobs that the park had. So like one day they had us pick fish off the beach and we were taking all the dead fish, putting it in trash bags and throwing them away. Um, another day I was like decobwebbing the fence. And so all I would do is just go ride things because nobody, I had no supervision whatsoever. Oh, the worst was decobwebbing the pump rooms. I don't know if you ever had to do that. Like, so our, we had the weekly, we had to do this thing called pool open. So we had to show up to the beach at 7am and basically clean. We'd have to like hose off all the, the hotel pool benches or chairs. And then like cobweb fence, pick up dead fish. And so like, if they, you guys had to do community service (laughs) pretty much. Yeah. Once a week. And then like, you'd go to the, you'd go and get the breakfast special after and take a nap before your ride opened but yeah the uh the breakfast special was pretty solid but what's funny is like it's not even anything that (laughs) it wasn't even that great it was just what scrambled eggs on a toast sandwich with hash browns yeah that would melt the the styrofoam plate you like pick the sandwich off it was like a melted imprint of the sandwich yep it was like 275. I thought for sure you guys were going to say like a cup of coffee with some cigarette ashes in it. Not that bad. No, but like a cup of coffee in a smoking section was not unheard of for ride hosts to start their day that way. I got really new uh, that, that brisk seems- from the... <laughs> well, because the um, there was a soda machine inside of Breaker's that was by the breaker smoking section between the cafeteria and challenge park. And, uh, every like three times you'd order a brisk, you'd get two of them. So like, I don't know. It was a good hangover drink. The, um, vending machine, uh, back by mean streak, uh, in frontier town, it was the exact same thing, but it was the mountain dew where, Every one, every couple of times, you got two Mountain Dews. I think I remember that one. And they, it was only a dollar, right? Yeah. yeah. Do you also remember I or um, the the smoothies in that break area? That was the one. No. It was like the one. So you could obviously there's a cafeteria, but in that Mean Streak breaker, there was also like a mini cafeteria where you could order food. Yeah. But they had the the smoothies. It was like or like the it was basically like an icy, like a strawberry icy. Yeah. Um, but for some reason the mean streak one day was a bigger cup. And it was like three bucks or something. Mm-hmm. So I'd always go there for that. Oh, the good old days. But you never worked to the park under WeMet. Uh WeMet dropped all of the pricing on all of employee food and whatnot. Sodas went to a quarter. Uh, cheeseburgers were a dollar and like the prices on everything got completely cut. Yeah, that was cool. I did do, I did do like three weekends in 2012, um, as like a character. So I, I got to experience the cafeteria then. 
I felt so ripped off. Like I was so pissed. Like when I went in there, I saw how cheap everything was. Oh yeah. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Plus that was when they got like an extra dollar per hour. Halloween bonus. Yep. I don't know if I should regret not ever having gone to work at Cedar Point or just like, man, I dodged a bullet. I, I, I think anyone who likes roller coasters and didn't work at Cedar Point for a summer missed out, in my opinion. But you also worked at Great America. I did not. You could have had very easily been a similar experience that you then got to go home and sleep in a much more comfortable bed. So that's also plausible. The thing is, is that like the experience overall, like, or I guess like it's one of those experiences where in the moment it sucks, but afterwards the memories make up for how much misery there was. And so it's like a positive thing. I, I don't know. I, I I think it was a perfect experience for three months and that's like all you need. Yeah. Well, let's go get an apartment in Sandusky and go do three months then. That's significantly cheaper than an apartment uh, in Orlando. Yeah, and you know, Cedar Point wages might actually pay for it. Yeah, well, I mean, 2020 they were going, or was it 2021 that they went to $20 an hour? And yeah, then, that's right. And then the following year they dropped down to 15 because they were like, now nah, we can get internationals again. Yep. And apparently when they were doing that, they were like scheduling people like max 20 hours. Yeah, well, so Ben, you might find this interesting. Cedar Point is a scheduling software now that requires a certain amount of hours between shifts. So you can't open to close anymore and then work and open to close the next day. Okay. Which it like requires 10 hours of off time between your next shift starting. See, like that that's obviously good. But when I don't know, that's kind of part of the experience. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I don't know. I understand impl- I understand workers' rights, but like, you got to make that money. Because nothing says safety like drunk teenagers working uh, sixteen hours and then working an additional twenty hours with four hours in between. No, no, no. See, if you were drunk, you opened entrance. You weren't in a seat checking position until you sobered up. Oh, I definitely operated full ripcord positions when I was drunk. So. <coughs> no, I was a good boy. I would, I would open entrance. That's good. <clears throat> Safety. Yeah. What else you got for us uh, tonight? I don't mean to speed this thing along, but well, it's no, now- I know we've, we've been recording for quite a bit. Yes. Well, let's round it out. We got one listener question real quick. And this is from Dave Coaster Talk, no BS zone. So thanks for sending this in, Dave. He wants to know, what are your top five stupidest things that the coaster influencers have pulled? People such as Coaster Studios and Alvi. Yeah, so I saw this question earlier and I was thinking about it. Um, I, I don't know. I It's a... It's tough if you want my opinion, because I think in the loop goes about things significantly different to a lot of enthusiasts. And I think that's why I like, I tend to join to the, in the loop side. Uh, And I, but I, I guess my answer to this question is outrage. Like, I feel like 
most influencers, I won't necessarily say all of them, or this could even be fictitious, but in like my opinion of it, I think they love outrage and like creating a bigger deal about everything like breaking or first look or um, exclusive inside info. And they use these big, bold, like head catchy things for something that a park press release got sent out. And so I think that's really silly when people pretend they were the only ones that got to do something that went out to 250 people. I agree. Yeah. That's kind of just I'm also catching that algorithm. It's a, uh, it's just become like, like your passion project then just turns into like how to get more clicks and how to play that YouTube game. That and like, this is more broadly a problem with society in general, but victimhood mentality. And again, this is a broad problem, not, but you know, it is also, it's a macrocosm, right? So, however, I did think of a specific one. (laughs) That's kind of funny. And that's, uh, West coast bash, 2009, six flags, magic mountain. Hosted by Theme Park Review. Ben and I were in attendance uh, with a buddy of ours. And we went to go to the park presentation or whatever was going on in the theater. So we walk in with our buddy and Alvy like knows him. And there's some bad blood there for whatever reason he had an opinion or something. So Alvy walks right up to the three of us with an employee uh, from the park. And he's like, that guy, that guy, and that guy. And the employee, like, he's like, Hey guys, sorry, this is a private event. So like, you're going to have to leave. Huh? We had to leave the theater. We didn't have to leave the park. We were fine to but, stay in the park, but you were at the event that one of your perks of the event was this presentation. So it was a weird thing. Basically, like, they did the event, right? And Alvy was selling tickets. But Six Flags Magic Mountain also sold tickets to the event for a period. So our friend grabbed the tickets through Six Flags, not through Alvy. So we had tickets for the event, fair and square. Well, they were, interestingly, they were refunded. Our- Right. Our buddy had to go to guest services and he had, he went back behind the counter and talked with them for like an hour or two. And like, you know, he comes back out and he's like, all right, yeah, they gave our money back. Um, We can, (laughs) we can hang in the park, but we can't do the ERT or anything. Huh? Yeah. So I think that one was pretty, it's just a weird story, you know? <laughs> yeah. It is a weird story. Just just having him, because like, I don't know. I didn't really know the guy. I don't think you did either, right, Ben? Um, No, not really. Talked to him online a couple times, maybe. So it was weird to have him come up and accost us. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. I'm just here with my friend. We're just trying to... <laughs> Ride some rides. <laughs> yeah. But all right. Um, ben, do you have any you could think of? Um, 
I, I guess it's all related. Just make it sensationalizing non sensational things for clicks, generating drama out of nothing, trying to get people to click on you. That's all. Hot takes for hot takes sake. Like they're not really believing things, but like outlandish statements. Yeah. Yeah. I think it all really just boils down to, you know, people's attitudes more than particular people. Yeah. I mean, I guess the problem is there's the dream now of like just making content on the internet and getting to do your hobby for a job. And like, I guess a lot of people want to do that because they think it's, I don't know, minimal work or something. I don't necessarily know the answer to that, but so you've got all these people that want these, these roles and they're excited about the, or they want to people to do this YouTube channeling. So now it's like competitive too. So like what used to be, everyone was friendly going to parks now, like everyone is friendly, but like there's competition because we quantify everything. Like we quantify likes on Instagram. So like you, you're taking a picture of the voyage with all 300 other people at Hollywood nights. Be like, mm, I got 27 likes. This asshole got a slightly worse picture and he got uh, 475 likes. Like, why is my life so unfair? Yeah. That's interesting. I think the like button is single handedly the worst thing that has ever happened to society. I think there's a fair argument to be made for that. Cause it now quantifies anything you do on the internet, right? Like, is there a purpose to this? Like I posted this and nobody responded. Like, am I all alone? Does nobody agree to me? Like now you're thinking deep like that one. Or like you, so you tend to be like, well, this is successful for me in my own like brand. That is just my first and last name. Like not even like anything else. Like you're just normal everyday people now, like quantify their reactions with people. Hey, you didn't like my status. Was there something wrong with it? Yeah. You know, you got a good point. That's why it's easier to just not I pay attention to social media. Yeah. I, I'm pretty much solidly only on Twitter. Um, everything else, every once in a while, I will discover that someone messaged me or something, but I don't necessarily see it. But Twitter, I'll log on to a couple times every day. So send him your hot takes. Yeah. I mean, I don't actually care if you have hot takes that you actually believe in. Like Magnum is one of my favorite roller coasters in the world. And like some people like Magnum ironically, or they say they like it because like people really fucking hate Magnum and that's fine. Whatever that's on you. That's not my problem. I love it. I think it's great ride, high capacity and never really has a line and it's a lot of fun. So like Magnum's great and a lot of people don't like it. And so be it. But like sometimes people see so you got some easy ammo if you want to pick a fight with Drew. They think that gets reactions. Although I like, and like Magnum, stemming so this further into like a final thought here. And I, I like guess. Drew. So, um, yeah. I think that's part of the Splash Mountain anyway, controversy. I think was because where all our listeners there was to like all our uh, like this podcast likes and clicks to be gained for existence. outlandish, ridiculous thoughts when it came to saving splash mountain like both directions here and people genuinely started defending a log flume that had a bunch of animatronics that never worked correctly anyway like 
fucking fix them. And if you're going to fix them, why not put a new theme on it? Like we don't need the same rides for 80 years. Like that's not a thing that needs to be done. And yet people lost their damn mind calling Uh-oh, this the craziest ride closure up? ever. Yeah. I've got nothing. Um, my I audio will. is now messed up and you're coming through my computer speakers and not my headphones. Uh Oh, well, we're going to wrap it up. So thank you for being here, Drew. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can't click on settings either. I don't know what's going on here. But well, yeah, thanks we'll- for having me on the show, guys. I don't know if this part's going to make it or if my audio is even good enough to make it. I don't know if you can even hear me. Um, we got you good. Me on here, guys. Yeah, we can hear you. So I think it's all good. Okay. It's, it's the wrong microphone. I'm on my computer microphone. Like when I type and stuff, you can really hear it. I think. Can you? Nah, you're fine. Okay. Well, thanks. Thanks for coming on. Oh yeah, <laughs> dropping some knowledge. It finally worked out. We've this is ninth times a try. Hey, at least if it's going to be a two year break, at least we can get a nice three hour podcast out of you. <clears throat> That's kind of the rule of thumb. Whenever I show up to a podcast, it becomes like a three hour marathon. That's hey, I'm not complaining. We've just dropped another. Th- consecutive three hour podcast two weeks in a row. Yeah. And I mean, I, in my head, like people listen to podcasts when they're doing tasks that they want to listen to someone talk to them. Right. So the length doesn't really matter because it's not like most people listen to podcasts live. Like some do, but like me, I'm always in my car when I do it. Cause I'm always sitting in Orlando traffic. So my podcast listening is my commute to and from work all the time. So sometimes they take a couple of days when they're nice and long. And I think that's great. Well, hopefully our listeners feel that way about this episode. If yeah. they don't, it's because of us, not you. If, if if you didn't enjoy this episode, you can tweet me at Drew the Intern on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for taking the heat for this one, Drew. <laughs> yeah, this is my fault. <laughs> um, well, I uh, I guess we'll get the plug in for sure. Check out In the Loop YouTube and uh, podcast. Yeah, and also um, uh, something, speaking of influence culture, uh, it although it just is ending, like we're in our last round of bonuses because Facebook and Instagram have changed their rulings here and they're going back to the drawing boards. But there was this real bonus for reels on Facebook and Instagram. So the team's been getting pretty creative in doing reels on Insta, if you want to check that out. And like <clears throat> we have a reel on Facebook that has 30 million views, um, which is just wild. Um. So yeah, check out all of that stuff too. It's in the loop podcast. Damn. Yeah. Well, go go get check them out. Give them a play. And then myself, I'm on Twitter at Drew the Intern. Follow him. Also on Untapped at Drew the Intern. If anyone's into Untapped, got the beer credits. Yeah. We'll go give them a follow. Um, tweet angry things or nice things or whatever. And you can and follow us on the socials. Play. But if I just I say just don't even do social media, avoid it. Um, Enjoy podcasts. Maybe check out Discord. I don't know. We have a cool one. Um, Check out See the Carousel. The History of Great America. Episode one is live right now. The day you're listening to this. And it's also available on our Your Favorite Coaster Sucks feed. So check it out after you play this one. If you really want to hear more of me. Um, 
Come to our Great America meetup. Both of them. June, September. Be there. Smoke a square. I don't know. Ben, you got anything else, man? Drew, you got anything else? No, just good talking to you guys. Um, it's not very often you talk to a fellow Cedar Point alumni of having similar stories of similar timelines there and like don't actually know each other. I know that's wild, but like at the same time, like whenever we meet in person, it might change. That's just sometimes how it goes. Yeah. And like you were also saying you were, I think if I remember correctly from two years ago, you were fat then and you're not now. And I'm the opposite. I'm now (laughs) fat and I wasn't fat. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I really don't look anything like I did when I worked there. So. Yeah, Ben was once described by looking like a truck. I, at point one point, was a pretty boy who worked for Abercrombie and Fitch. So, like, that is not my lifestyle now. Wow. Where can I find? Do you have a photo from 2010 or 2011 in like uniform anywhere? Uh, I have a few Facebook profile pictures. If you, I don't know if we're friends, but. Um, you can scroll like way back in life and you can see me in like a sweep uniform and me in a, on the Maverick platform in 2009 in a uniform. All right. I'll take a look. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, Drew, you know how we wrap this up, right? Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, thanks a bunch for being here. Um, thank you all for listening. And until next time, your favorite, favorite coaster, coaster sucks. sucks.